Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Serial Vasquez. Hello. hello. Jeff Marquia Fava. Hey. And the one and only Marcus Stewart. Welcome, sir. It's me, Mark Marquio. That's what I went with. Perfect. <laughs> now I have to live with that. And if you want more of that charming wit, you can check out Marcus's YouTube channel, which is Marcus Makes Media, where the jokes are probably five percent better. Perfect. Uh, how's the whole streaming campaign and YouTube campaign going for you so far? It's going pretty all right. I got just some Let's Play stuff on my YouTube channel. Uh, I have one going up uh, later today day or tonight it should be uh playing cameo for the first time um, oh interesting i've always been curious about cameo kyle saying that his daughter can't stop playing it but i kind of want to go back to the launch of some of those games even perfect dark zero and just see what that stuff was like it's a fun time to look at launch games yeah that's yeah that's why i play because i've never played it either and i've always just kind of stared at it wondering why people make fun of it so much because it reviewed pretty well yeah i remember uh, like giant bomb not too long ago like they were defending it like ah that's not a bad game at all so i'll have to check that out that seems cool well hey uh we have a big episode of the min show for everybody here first of all gamescom jeff Keeley's hot 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 opening night live will not be discussed here uh we have not seen it yet but if you want our thoughts on it before next week's podcast you can head to MinMax's YouTube channel. We will have streamed our reactions to the opening night live, so you can catch up on the news there and see more of a discussion of what's happening there. Also, we should point out that this week is the celebration of Tony Hawk here at MinMax. They have the remake of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 uh, releasing next week, so this entire week we're celebrating Tony Hawk stuff. We have a lot of streams happening on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash show. Uh, Leo Vader and friend of the show Blake Hester ranked the entire Tony Hawk series that videos on the YouTube channel you can jump in there and disagree with them if you'd really like to uh, also we have Mintracks our music podcast this Friday is going to be an episode all about the music of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 uh, with a very special guest that we'll talk about later in this show alright everybody big news of the week so far is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War Ooh, doggy uh, Jeffum the internet hates that name. Where do you stand on that name alone? Call of Duty Black's Black Ops Cold War. Yeah. Well, you already stumbled over it, so it's a good first sign. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot going on in that name. And also, Cold Wars aren't supposed to be like normal wars, right? Yeah. Well, there's no shooting in this Call of Duty, so it actually oh, works okay. out. Yeah. It's a that very works, Cold War. Yeah. Um, but yes, they finally revealed... Oh, B, this is, a, this is a beast trying to figure out exactly how this shakes out. This is Treyarch leading development of a sequel to Black Ops 1. So it's going in the very Hollywood tradition of pretending that some other games didn't exist. Let's take an alternate path. This is now set in 1981 and is a continuation of the Black Ops 1 storyline. So Treyarch is leading development with Raven supporting. Raven's always the Call of Duty development studio uh, for supporting the strange thing, though, is if you go back, Jason Trier had that article a while ago talking about how this was supposed to be Sledgehammer's year, you know, who last released uh, Call of Duty World War II, but they ran into a lot of problems. A lot of folks left that studio, and so Treyarch picked up those scraps of whatever they were making and turned it into this campaign here. And now Sledgehammer's name isn't attached to Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, so maybe they're off focusing on other stuff, and this is just a Treyarch uh raven project serial what'd you think about the big reveal of black ops cold war it seems it seems all right it seems like like uh, mostly what i was expecting i guess the shift to the 80s makes sense because it 
gives them like this interesting playground of like, hey, it's still historical, but you get to use guns that most people recognize as still being modern, you know? Yeah. Um, and it seems like they're going to play up that 80s nostalgia quite a bit. It's funny, coming out the same yeah. year as, well, maybe not the same year as Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, when is 1984 coming out? Is that this year? It's next year, right? Okay. Anyways, yeah. but it's fun yeah. to see them play up the 80s nostalgia. For the ultimate bizarre bit of 80s nostalgia, uh, Ronald Reagan seems to have a starring yeah. role in this game. Everybody's favorite 80s celebrity. I want to know who you plays him. It's a pretty understated Reagan. I'm curious to see like what their casting process was like. Is there licensing rights? For, I wonder that too, because it feels like he's a public figure, hand, though. I don't know. Yeah, like we've seen historical figures recreated in games, so this shouldn't be that weird. But for some reason, when I saw him, I legit like it's like I don't. Can you do that? Can you, <laughs> can you get a president? So I don't know why that hit me in a way it did, but it was maybe it was I saw the face game. of Reagan, and now nothing will be. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to think of this was all captured on a PlayStation Five to say for this trailer and. So the most identifiable characters we have on a PlayStation 5 so far is Miles Morales, Ratchet, and Ronald Reagan. And their arch nemesis, Ronald That's Reagan. That's a pretty killer lineup. <laughs> when you think about it, it is. It's running on that hot yeah. Reagan engine. Oh my God, it's perfect. Uh, Reagan oh, you mean tracing? War on Drugs. I'm sorry, Serial, oh. you make your joke and then I'll make my joke again. What's yours? Okay, go, go, no, you, no, I, you go ahead. Sorry. I said Reagan tracing. Oh, and your joke okay. was uh, you said the Reagan engine was I said the war on drugs. <laughs> there we go, everybody. Take your pick. We, we got them all. Uh, so they're going to be announcing more multiplayer details, apparently on uh, November 9th, 2020. But they did reveal that there will be zombies mode included in this thing. Um, well, how do you guys feel about like the alternate sequel angle for Treyarch to go back and half reboot their Black Ops series here? like after three which went so far like into the future and was so fantastical that you i don't know how you would follow that game yeah um so kind of going back to at least for me the 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 that series of best point like those first two games on paper it makes me more interesting because i wasn't really a fan of black ops 3 uh so i'm excited to kind of go back and see those characters again kind of in their prime so to speak yeah, uh, so I think I it's think I think it like drives home that point that eh, we're pretty fast and loose, like give us the characters we want. And I think people will be happy exactly how this works canonically. It's like, eh. Alternate dimension, you know, we'll be talking about that later in the show, too. I'd have to imagine like just give us the characters and we're fine by and large yeah. here. Uh, this also do, does feel like them just saying, you know, I, I think if the if Black Ops 3 hadn't been so, as poorly received, I think people would have been more like oh, i wanted more of the future tech stuff but because this feels in line with where people want call of duty to keep going is like don't make it too futuristic because then that's another series so i think people are just more amenable to like yeah this is this is what we wanted the first time you know this could have just been the original black ops 2 yeah yeah it's a fun idea uh by the way wonder woman 1984 releases october 2nd 2020 so you can get your fill oh. of uh kristen wig as cheetah there um but there's a couple odd details here. First of all, the game was revealed. Eh, it was leaked and revealed in other places, but revealed in a big way within Warzone. So it's fun to see Activision trying to do the epic Fortnite thing of creating this big event where they have text flashing on the screen within Warzone and then actually playing the trailer. I think it's a fun idea, especially if you didn't even know it was 
happening. You just happen to be playing Warzone and suddenly there's text flashing on your screen and a new trailer is playing. Like, maybe mm. it's annoying for some hardcore players, but I think it's fun to see other companies dipping their toe in kind of that event reveal structure that Fortnite has on lockdown at this point. Uh, also, a lot of people are trying to understand and wrap their minds around what this next gen stuff is looking like as far as pricing and the industry goes. And so Call of Duty, Black Ops Cold War, available for $60, of course. Or, Surreal, you can Mm -hmm. buy the cross-gen bundle, which is a new phrase for the video game bibliography, dictionary. Console gaming, I love it. Uh, The cross-gen bundle is $70. So if you buy that one, then your version on PS4 will be upgraded to PS5 and xbox upgraded as well what do you make of that instead of giving people their free upgrade like people were outraged about with control what do you think about the idea of standardizing a cross-gen bundle and charging you 70 bucks now for this thing i mean i think it's going to rub people the wrong way when there are other companies doing it for free yeah so it's going to be a very clear line of the sand between companies like cyberpunk and city project red they're like yeah we'll just upgrade that no problem Whereas this, it's like, ah, we can probably squeeze a little bit more money out of you. Yeah, and it it looks like it, it's also, like, all of those things and all the pre-order bonuses, it looks like it just applies to the digital versions of the game. Oh, is that right? That's what I read, yes. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, I saw Jason Schreier out on Twitter saying, like, oh, I wonder if this is just them trying to warm people up to the idea of uh, next-gen games being $70, like... NBA 2K looks like it was going to be $70. Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft said, oh, it's just 60 But they didn't say for how long their next-gen games are going to be just 60 So the industry is starting to lean in the direction, at least, of $70 for next-gen games. Are you yeah, ready for I that? It, oh, it is going to vary, and I think it is Call of Duty is one of those like franchises where they can outright say, like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Like, you're, gonna, you're probably going to get this bundle if you want to play uh, Call of Duty day one, or you're just going to wait for the PS the uh the next gen version and get it for 60 so it's like they can they like i don't think this is going to cause their sales to dip in any way so they can totally just get away with it yeah Yeah, that's true especially when if people are complaining about price they can be like yeah remember when we gave you warzone for free like come on can't be mad at us for activision yes we removed some tiananmen square footage from the first version of this trailer but that's (laughs) not important come on warzone everybody Does that mean that the strictly PS5 copy of the game is 60 bucks or is that because like if I just buy it outright for next gen? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, but let's let's actually look that up. I don't think they're selling the PS5 version yet. Well, they, they say you can pre-order the physical standard PS4 or PS5 editions at participating re- retailers. Yeah, like that would have to be launching like the PS5 version would have to be launching day and date because oh, presumably yeah. the system will be out by then. Right, yeah. Question mark. <laughs> okay, but Cold War is $60 for the standard edition in the Activision launcher Blizzard thing. Okay, but that's still not solving the PS5 conundrum. Well, I'm just, say- I'm, I'm just saying that like if they do end up releasing the PS5 version standalone, it's probably going to end up being 60 bucks because if like if the unless the PC they're making an exception for the PC's pricing which i don't see why they would mm. if so does that i don't know maybe it's just me does that seem weird because it's like it's 60 for just 
the outright PS5 version, but if you get it for PS4, yeah, you're gonna get. Is that? I don't know. Because then you're ju- you're basically paying ten dollars to play it between, you know, if you're whatever time period you're only gonna play on PS4 and before you make the switch to PS5, right? So. Yeah, and that's assuming that you're gonna get a PS5 in the near future if you're gonna re up for that. Yeah. But then you could argue why not just wait and just get the PS5 version and save ten dollars, unless you just gotta get in. Yeah, I'm also realizing now that between this and Yakuza Zero both releasing on November 13th, it's it's looking pretty uh, interesting as a week that the consoles might launch or could launch around there. Well, what's weird though is Yakuza has a partnership with Microsoft. And they're November 13th. And then Call of Duty has the Sony partnership. And if that's also November 13th, then it's like, okay, are these things launching the same week or that close to each other? Like, you know, we're still lost in the woods. So on the main website, it has, you can choose your digital SKU and it kind of, it lists PS4 and PS5 versions separately. And it looks like they both have a standard version. Uh, and a cross-gen bundle. Yeah. Wait, but does, Although, it doesn't list the PS5 standard at, at 60 though, yes? That's still 70 It It doesn't list prices on it at all. I see. So, but that's I'm guessing thing. it'll be 60 right? Because then, then it's either either you pay $70 for the PS5 version or you pay $70 or for both versions or you pay $70 for just the PS5 version. I think, I think it's going like to be $70 for the PS5 version. Yeah, I think this is them warming but that, us up. That makes no sense. Like, why would you buy the PS5 version without the cross-gen bundle? Then that makes no sense. Yeah, you may as well get it, just so you can say you can Yeah, at that point, why wouldn't you buy the cross-gen bundle if it's the same exact price? Yeah. Unless you just have no console prior to PS5. Yeah, I think what right. they want you to do is, is pay the 10 extra dollars if you're planning to play it on both. And I, so I think both versions by themselves are going to be 60. You think the PS5 version is going to be 60? Yes. I think you're insane. I, I think... I think the standard edition is going to be 60 and it looks like the standard edition is also available on PS5 and Xbox Series X. That's yeah. so messy. Be- be- because then but the so argument you're saying is that like yeah. bundle which gives you both and that's why right. it's an extra $10. I think this is them just warming us up to the PS5 and Xbox Series X prices being 70. If 2K is already doing that, you think Activision's going to say no to that? I think this is just oh, their subtle way of getting closer. I feel like it would, call, it would cause less of a stink. Yeah, if, and then you would PS5 message it. Version is 60. You would message it differently as like, hey, the PS5 version comes with the PS4 version. Uh, you wouldn't call it a cross-gen bundle at that point. Yeah. And then otherwise, why would you like not have a standard like listing for the PS5 version? I could see it if, if, the, PS, if the PS5 version... Own, always has the PS4 version, then I can see it being $70. But if it's you get the PS5 version and you don't get the PS4 version, that's going to be $60. Well, that, but that that's the interesting wrinkle is that for the PS5 version on this table that they have under the standard edition, it says the PS4 version is playable via backwards compatibility. Aha! Uh-huh. But, but that's still under the standard edition as opposed to the cross-gen bundle. So, that, so I wonder if if you you can buy the PS4 version for 60, you can buy the PS5 version for 60, which will let you play it on a PS4. Y- yeah. So then what's the cross-gen bundle do? That upgrades it that, to that a PS5 upgrades version. The PS4 version to a PS5 version. Okay. Warrior oh, 64. see, see, Warrior64 on Twitter. This yeah. is starting to get confusing. 
Uh, okay. COD uh, Black Ops Cold War PS4 physical can be upgraded to PS5 version via PSN, but Xbox One physical will not have upgraded uh, Series X. PS4, Xbox oh, no. One versions will be playable through backwards compatibility. Wait, that doesn't tell me much. It just says so it can get upgraded get via PSN. So, yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I guess I'm this wired, is the, which might which might be the $10 upgrade that yeah. they said. Hmm. I mean, if the Xbox version isn't getting that, then. Okay, apparently Activision has. versions like, could be $60 then. Okay. All right. Uh, I may have found it. Okay. Uh, both current both current generation versions, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, will be playable on their respective next generation console via backwards compatibility by inserting the disc into the console. Yeah. But the game will not include any of the next gen features such as higher frame rate, hardware-based ray tracing, faster load times, and more. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that makes sense. Physical version? So is that what you have to pay the extra $10 to upgrade? Yeah, to get it optimized for PS5. Right. Otherwise, you can play the PS4 version of the game on your PS5. Or Xbox but if you, One Xbox Series but X. Otherwise, you can just buy the... Cross-gen okay. bundle. Let's see. Next-gen, physical, standard, PlayStation 5, and Xbox. Who's the PlayStation 5 version of the game? But, okay, this, so then... Hmm. Yeah, I guess what my question is: Can you buy a PS5 version of the game that is not playable on PS4? That does not give you some. That does not somehow give you access to the PS4 version. I'm sure you can yeah. eventually, but right now it's just the cross-gen bundle that you can buy. Right. So what what I'm saying. So the thing that I was saying is that I, I think if there is that version, I think that version is sixty dollars. It, it says PlayStation Five Standard so. Edition will not operate on a PS4. <laughs> okay. Right. The Xbox Series X Standard Edition includes an Xbox Series X disc that is also playable on Xbox One. Oh, boy. Wait, what? <laughs> so it's for a console? I mean, that's, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, because the way those consoles are set up, Microsoft's saying you can play anything on anything, basically. Yeah, that yeah. Transforce. Yeah. So but it just... So it's now like, nah. Like, it's just Now optimized. you have to get into, like, the inherent differences between the console. Hmm. <laughs> oh, um, my God, what a mess. So if you want to so have the smooth upgrade, then you want the PS4 version. But if you get the Xbox One version, if you have the Series X version, you can't play that on your Xbox One. So you can kind of do both in different ways, like go backwards. I think, uh, yeah, I think the main <laughs> takeaway here is that it's available on PC for $60. <laughs> yes, please focus on wait. that, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the digital version of the PS4 will have an option to upgrade to PS5 through the store. The Xbox One upgrade to Xbox Series X is, is currently being evaluated, oh, and new information will be updated. Clarity soon on the numbers in Call of Duty Black Ops, everybody. It'll all make sense. Oh, boy. Can't wait to hear about the Switch version. <laughs> and now, of course, it's time for the DC... Fandom! Over the weekend, they had their big digital event. Uh, kind of, you know, Comic-Con wasn't happening, so DC stepped up much in the same way. A lot of publishers are stepping up, having their own Ubisoft forward-esque events, you know. Uh, now DC is stepping up to say, hey, 
this is kind of like a Comic-Con, but we're only going to talk about Batman and DC stuff for the entire weekend. And I think it was a success. A lot of people were buzzing. The internet was exploding. Marcus, what was your read on the DC fandom event in general? Um, it's a cool idea on paper. I didn't watch the uh, the stream as it was happening, but I, I just kind of watched all the trailers and read some stuff that came out of it. Yeah. It's a... Uh, in terms of like the actual announcements that came out, I was pretty excited for most of them. And I'm not even a like I'm more of a Marvel guy. Of course, gonna say that up front. But I do enjoy DC. I got the shiny new Batman comic right there. He's ready to go for the podcast. It's yeah. amazing. I know, right? Like, so I, I was literally reading it right before. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I didn't. I want to see and go back and watch the stream itself because I've only seen like clips of how they actually presented it. It was really odd. They had like a basically green screened and then just had different celebrities like hey here's Zachary Levi or here's Aisha Tyler or here's Will Arnett like introducing Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game so you have green screen Will Arnett being like oh I'm warping through time help me talking to Sefton Hill the creative director at Rocksteady it's a really weird dynamic and it's gonna be a, a fun anomaly to look back on for like remember that strange green screen reveal of all these DC games did they have any actual like people like watching in attendance did they do like the virtual fan thing no no they didn't have that weird mark cerny are they digital or not crowd um it was just silence it was the silence of gotham there but obviously they focused a lot on movies we can talk about that later on i think i was struck by the messaging of dc because you know they've always been struggling to how do we differentiate ourselves from marvel and a lot of people are picking up on that idea of oh you know, with the Flash film, they're embracing the multiverse, which Marvel's going to do very soon here with Doctor Strange 2, but DC's trying to get to it first. Uh, and so in their Flash film, they have Michael Keaton coming back as Batman, which is so amazing. And then in that same film, they announced that Ben Affleck is also going to be in there as his Batman. So as the Flash is going through different dimensions, that just seems fun. And it's so stupid, but it ties into my childhood in such a big way where, you know, I listen to kevin smith's fat man beyond podcast all the time and they just brought up the simple fact that like oh if michael keaton michael keaton's batman's coming back that means that absolutely the original or the 1989 batmobile is coming back and that like mm. got my heart in a way almost on par with michael keaton's batman it's like god i love that batmobile so much i love that toy i want to see it in a movie on a big screen again yeah that thing was uh so does that mean if because uh, this is ezra miller's flash yep. right i um does that mean it's going to tie into that weird scene in, in uh, was it Batman versus Superman where the Flash showed up randomly in his like lab and it was kind of teasing a Flashpoint thing? Do you remember that? Yeah. It's a dream, but no, I think yeah. I think it'll tie into that, you know, Zack Snyder verse a little bit. It seems like for a lot of these and it ties into the games, too. It's kind of like a soft connection. It's less less about being canonical. This is connected to this. Yeah. This is connected to this. I mean, um, you know, people wrote in talking about Gotham Knights, which is the game from Warner Brothers Montreal that we can unpack a little bit here, but talking about, oh, it's set up in a way that seems like it is a continuation of the Arkham storyline, but then, no, 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 no. Just to be clear, Gotham Knights is not in Rocksteady's universe, even though it very much feels like it is and looks like it is, whereas hmm. Rocksteady's Suicide Squad killed a Justice League game looks so different but that is the same arkhamverse so it's that level of like if you're a super fan you know those details but i think they're relying less on this is canonically a continuation and more just 
you get the idea. You might remember vaguely how Arkham Knight ended. Here's Gotham Knights. It's close enough to that ending without being canonical anymore. Yeah. And to be fair, I think DC's films have gotten better since they stopped trying to make every film seem super connected the way Marvel has. Yeah, it turns out that what Marvel pulled off is very, very difficult. So just make good standalone films and we're okay for a while here. And then if you need to interconnect it, use some, uh, you know, Earth 74 nonsense. and Just go and jump around the different dimensions and multiverse there, I guess. Good old Earth 74. Oh, my favorite, man. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, the big reveal of Warner Brothers Montreal's Gotham Knights. Uh, their last big game, other than helping out with DLC and stuff, was Arkham Origins. And ever since then, people have been wondering, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? Arkham Origins in 2013 ends with a tease of a Suicide Squad game, which then, according to Jason Schreier and I believe other reporters, they've said that, okay, that Warner Brothers Montreal was working on that Suicide Squad game. Then they weren't. (laughs) Then (laughs) Rocksteady picked up that Suicide Squad game, which is bizarre. And then... They're now, oh, then they were creating a, gosh, I think it was like um, a Damian Wayne storyline game, and now it's shifted, and now it's Gotham Knights is their game. So, four characters, two-player co-op, and you can choose between, you want to run through it, Marcus? Choose between Robin, which is the, the Tim Drake Robin, to be really specific. Yeah. Uh, Nightwing, who was Dick Grayson, who was the OG Robin. Uh, Batgirl is Barbara Gordon and Red Hood, who is Jason Todd, who was the second Robin that got beaten to death. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why you'd be confused. Yeah. And then, yeah, Batwoman in there as well. Um, But not. Wait, is she? Isn't it? Batwoman? Is she? Is that Batgirl? No, Batgirl is in it, not Batwoman. Is this okay? This is Barbara Gordon, right? This is the one who. Yeah, this is Barbara. So I guess it it, it couldn't have been in the Arkhamverse because I think in the last one she's Oracle, right? So that would have been. Yes, and there's other connections too because they also say in Gotham Knights in that trailer that that Jim Gordon has died, and it seems like people don't know Batman's identity even though he's gone in Gotham Knights, whereas, I don't want to spoil too much for the end of Arkham Knight, but it's a slight variation of that, but so close that if you blink, you can miss it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing uh, was not what I was expecting. Yeah. For sure. I'm excited for it at the same time. Um, have you guys gotten to read for the community? Because it seems like a lot of people are upset at the idea that you do not play as Batman. Like, yeah, you know, I was trying to get a sense that i wasn't watching twitter when it was revealed but just like the youtube comments and stuff it's like okay it's positive enough that i think it's a small minority but i think people were more upset just for the amount of you know community comments and questions that we got people are upset about kind of the rpgification and the co-opification of our action games that seemed to be a thrust of the minmax's community minmax's community's you know rage at this point towards these games um but Mm. you saw a lot of people being like just give us batman already yeah, I mean, what if, if they should have replaced the numbers that pop up when you hit people with just bam and biff and stuff. Bam times 32. Ever. You wouldn't believe thought, how bam this is. I thought you were just going to say with photos of Batman so you could feel, <laughs> so you wouldn't miss him as much. It is just amazing. Word bubbles of Batman's heart awesome. emojis. Yeah. Every time you, yeah, you clear an encounter, Batman, Batman comes in. very impressed. I love you. And then he just disappears. Uh, it's just his image superimposed. Like yeah, in, in the sky, yeah. <laughs> The bat signal appears, but it's just a thumbs up. It says, good job. I miss you, boys. Uh, (laughs) It is amazing to think of DC rolling out, you know, 
two huge games from two of their big studios here. And uh, you know what people liked about those games? Playing as Batman. And now here's two huge efforts where there's no Batman. Playable. You know, maybe they'll tease it in Gotham Knights where he'll come in and be like, aha, I'm not dead. Or he could be the final boss in the Suicide Squad game. It'd be kind of fun if he's still in there. Um, they well, tease it with yeah. a balloon. It seems so. like he would be in Suicide Squad if it's killed the Justice League. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I have to imagine. I wonder if like the last arc of that game is team is the Suicide Squad teaming up with Batman to take down Superman. Seems like a fairly. If you play like in a like in a Justice League uh, Doom scenario, like the idea that the story that Batman has the kind of contingencies for all of the Justice League yeah. members, like he knows how to beat all of them. Yeah, so they just it's go very easily. Yeah, it's also weird that like the main crux of both of these games from people who have made Batman games is where's Batman. You know, right. Like the, the fact that in Gotham Knights he's dead and then he doesn't appear in the Suicide Squad trailer, even though you kind yeah, like Batman's probably going to be in that game, but they're hiding him, you know? Yeah. yeah I was going to say, like, does anyone really believe Batman's dead in that game? Because I don't at all. Like, he's no. as dead as Captain America is in Avengers. Okay, so what do you think? In, in, in Gotham Knights, when will Batman appear? So I have a prediction. Please. Let's drop it right here and yeah. watch it. When does this game come out next year? Yeah. So because the game, uh, the villains are the Court of Owls, which is exciting. Uh, my Because you read the story recently, right, Ben? Yeah, we had a max spoiler. So if you want to get a recap of the Court of Owls storyline, Kyle and I talked about this on the YouTube channel and on the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Okay. So my prediction is that the Court of Owls are behind Bruce's death. They kill him, but they fake his death. Make you think that he's dead. And then he, they, what they actually did was capture him and they turned him into one of those talons. Oh, those like undead, fun. like they're pretty much an army of like undead warriors, right? And that he's gonna be one of those, and he's gonna be probably a, a recurring one that you fight a bunch of times. Because the thing is that they're basically like ninja Jason Voorhees, mm-hmm. just these unstoppable dudes that just kick ass. And you're gonna have to fight him a bunch of times, and there's gonna be a scene where somebody knocks his helmet off, and you're like, oh, it's Bruce. That is be a very, dead. very good guess. Yeah, because the Court of Owls thing I'm excited about. I really enjoyed that storyline. You can, honestly, if you like comics, like Batman comics, and you've missed it, you can get just a bundle, just read that entire storyline. It's great. Um, but the weird thing is I think a big appeal for the Court of Owls, Court of Owls storyline is how much it connects to Bruce and, like, the history of money within Gotham City and Bruce's family. And so removing Bruce Wayne from that Court of Owls storyline, like you can still do it, but then it's just kind of like, ah, there's a secret society. I think the interesting part was that Interplay talking about his family history. And so if they do something crazy like that and bring him into the Court of Owls and you're fighting him, I think there'd be a way where maybe they can still play around with some of those ideas. And I guess it depends like if the Court of Owls are introduced in this game or if they, you know, in that world's story if they've already been around and they've dealt with them before oh you know that I mean? would be i think it, they'd have to introduce them i think it'd be tough to just set that up like well you know the court of owls like the fun is trying to uncover what is going on what is the secret society where are they hiding that type of thing what buildings are they hiding um but yeah, in agree. the they had the dc fandom panel for gotham knights um with some of the developers and they did tease that the mystery is way bigger than just the court of owls it's not like this is the court of owls storyline that the Big picture is going way beyond that. So that's an interesting... Mr. Freeze is in it too. That's right. That's right. Uh, what do you think of that gameplay, Surreal? Uh, I 
I think my favorite detail was that they mentioned that um, the as you scale up, I guess you're going to be running the bosses multiple times. But I think at the higher difficulties, they're actually going to have uh, like new abilities and kind of tricks that they're going to throw at you. It won't just be like, well, now at the level 45 encounter or whatever, like his freeze does more damage, right? It's he. Uh, the idea is that he's they're going to be they're going to be adding layers to those fights, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, it. I'm a little wary of how the gameplay is going to translate into a co-op setting because uh, it felt in the Batman games like such a like such a, a thing that is catered towards one player where you're you're looking at your encounter and thinking like okay what are the rhythms that I'm going to have to deal with you know like this guy with a shield does this thing and I, I I guess I just imagine a lot of like oh we both went and tried to punch the same guy but one of us hit and one of us missed because one of us got him like one of us got him it feels like it's set up to for there to be a lot of moments like that. So I'm curious about how they're going to deal with that kind of thing, or if it's just going to be, if it, they're going to lean less into that kind of rhythmic combat and more into like an MMO style, like, well, I have this area of effect thing and you have this thing that like produces this buff. I'm curious to see how, like how deep the RPG elements are, or if it's just going to be like less about, you know, that kind of stuff and more about like, well, everything's just level gated is the extent that we've implemented RPG mechanics. Yeah, and they say you can play solo, um, and so maybe it won't be full soft MMO combat, because I don't think it's impossible to do kind of the rhythm-based Arkham combat with two players, but I, I get yeah, your, what right. you're saying, that it could be kind of janky at, at some points there. Um, but yeah, only two-player co-op for this one, um, and this one is cross-gen. Uh, you could tell because that whole sequence where uh, she shimmied through the sequence, so it's clearly mm-hmm. this generation. Um I think this is just setting up a lot of people to be confused about which is Rocksteady's game. What is this? Is this the one with four players? Okay, no, that's Suicide Squad. And luckily, maybe not luckily, but we still have a year between them. You know, they said that Suicide Squad, Rocksteady's game is coming out in 2022. Um, But so Gotham Knights, it is the creative director is Patrick Redding, who was the campaign director for Splinter Cell Blacklist. Which seems like, oh, that's a good get. Yeah. That seems about right for, you know, a Batman style game, a little bit of stealth in there and stuff. And then he was the co-op director for Conviction. So he has that history with co-op. Uh, and he yeah. went on and was working on some canceled project at Ubisoft Toronto, apparently, before coming over to Warner Brothers Montreal, which is now a very different Warner Brothers Montreal than it was with Arkham Origins. Like all that Arkham Origins leadership is gone which mm-hmm. is wild. They've gone back to Ubisoft, gone over to DICE. They've kind of scattered to the winds. Um, so pretty different team. And I'm curious to see how this thing comes together. Uh, what do you all think about the RPGification? Serial, I know we talked about it a little bit on MinFax, our Patreon exclusive podcast on Monday. Um, people seemed upset about this. Jeff, what do you think about bringing in damage numbers, making it more of a free-flowing thing and less of a focused Arkham Asylum-esque experience. I mean, I I guess I I don't understand how it's so different from what it was before because you were always kind of upgrading your character and getting new abilities and stuff, right? And so is it yeah. is it just that characters have have numbers popping out of them and that you know like you're going to be out leveled in certain places? Or I think that's a little thing. I think that combined with the co-op thing and then you know, hot before the release of Avengers where some people were like, ah, I just want like a story-based game. I don't want this living game experience. We don't think Gotham Knights is necessarily going to be a living game, but I think there is a trend of people just being burned by just give me a basic right. superhero game here, please. 
Yeah, because I think the the trend for a while has been like, well, if there's any more than one hero, we have to make it an RPG. Because last year it was Marvel Ultimate Alliance. This year is Avengers. Next year is going to be Gotham Knights. And then next, the year after that is Suicide Squad. So it's all these like kind of long tail RPGs that are meant to be replayed over and over versus, you know, and I think m- most like casual fans of superheroes want something like Spider-Man, which is like a more self-contained, like you still have upgrade stuff and y- it is still sort of like an RPG. But if you want to go do an event, you can just go do it. You don't have to wait until you're level 30 or whatever to go tackle this part of town. Yeah. I feel like people are already used to being gated in those Arkham games though. Cause there's, you know, they're very Metroid and like, Oh, there's this cool looking area, but I can't get here until I get the bat thing. And it yeah. hasn't popped up in the story yet. Like Alfred hasn't sent it to me or anything. So I, yeah, it, like, you know, it didn't bother it, me as much, I guess. Like, yeah. I could see why people would be annoyed by it, but I didn't. My immediate reaction watching that thing wasn't, oh, no, can't believe they're doing this. I was like, OK, maybe I'm just trained by games now <laughs> at this point to expect that to a degree. Um, but I it, it looked fun enough to make me for now be like okay this could be cool yeah yeah and and i guess i I mean arkham asylum still my favorite of those games and i i have kind of petered off of them i I think i've played all of them but i i played less of the last couple and so i i guess to me i'm ready for them to try and do something a little different with the formula right like like I, i don't know if if just another giant open world beat em up game you know in that same vein as all the other ones would sustain my interest as much as kind of like okay let's shake this up we're going to add co-op we're going to try and do some other interesting things with rpg elements like that that isn't that isn't a deal breaker for me I guess. But, but it will have been six years since the last game. I think there's enough of an audience that would be sure. hungry for like, just give me a new thing. And, you know, being able to choose one of these four characters, that would be enough. But uh, this is very unofficial. But we set out a Twitter poll uh, asking for these games, for Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights, if you would play co-op or you're going to be playing solo. Surreal, uh, what percentage of people do you think are going to be playing solo, according to the Whoa. MinMax Twitter I- poll? I saw that poll. Just Damn it, Jeffum! What percentage of people do you think are going to be playing solo? Seventy-five percent, eighty-three percent. Okay. I mean, I'm sure it'll change a little bit, and I would love to see what numbers the publishers have on how many people play co-op. But it's amazing. I think a lot of this goes back to you know <laughs> Arkham Origins, and then setting up that Suicide Squad game. It's like, well, if you're doing a Suicide Squad game, you have to play as multiple characters. Then they probably got the tech up for that, and hired for that problem so then when rocksteady took a suicide squad game now both studios are kind of like grandfathered in for developing those co-op experiences and it's just fascinating to try and figure out how this tree grew behind the scenes yeah i I also wonder how much of that you know that or any poll is going to be aspirational versus practical because i think people want to play it solo i think there's a lot of desire for those games to just be solo games but i think i have a i have a feeling that once the game actually comes out people will be playing it solo you know, unless they're not, you know, where they're like, oh, okay, if someone, I just happen to know two other people on my friends list who are playing this game, I may as well play as them, unless they're also playing my Robin, uh, in which case, screw them. But uh, I think there is going to be more co-op play than I think people, uh, I think that poll would lead you to believe, I think. That is could that be. Game, yeah, it could know. be. Um, as always, it's fascinating to try and think about, you know, it's that story of 
rightfully so, but studio ego. Like, you remember when every time they talk about the Arkham games, Rocksteady is always like, the Arkham trilogy. It's always just this slight thing of like, well, Rocksteady's Arkham games, not the Warner Brothers Montreal thing. It feels a little bit like uh, Naughty Dog versus Sony Bend with Uncharted on the Vita, where it's always like, yeah, it's an Uncharted game, but... Not or like Infinity Ward versus every other Call of Duty developer for a while, right? Yeah, I guess going back, yeah, for sure, they had that attitude as well. Um, and so it's just fascinating to see the handoff between these two and them trying to push up Rocksteady's like, okay, this is the real deal. Like, I like that in the reveal for Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, they bill it as from the creators of the Arkham series. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that tied into a larger theme with the fandom overall, where they connected it and focused on creators. Obviously, leaning this hard into Zack Snyder for the Justice League cut uh, that's coming to HBO Max is bizarre. Um, And then also like the Suicide Squad film coming out in 2021 from James Gunn, James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, like them pushing James Gunn in this whole behind the scenes thing as this visionary. I think it's kind of nice to see them leaning into like, oh, we're not focusing on the characters as much. We're focusing on the minds that are actually the talent that's creating these storylines here. Yeah. I, I think they kind of have to, right. As, as an answer in part to Marvel where it, yeah. it feels like, Oh, it's Kevin. It's all Kevin Feige. Like the directors have some have like a large degree of control over how the structure is made, but it's all within the balance of what Feige and like the Marvel overall unit want them to do. And I think that's why they're pushing creators, you know, someone like top Phillips or Joker, you know, James Gunn for the suicide squad. Yeah. I, just to separate them from like, no, we, we believe in like the visions of the people we hire and we don't necessarily care as much about how this ties into all the other movies. And I think that's, that's, I think that's what leads to something like that. Yeah. And I think you just have to, cause those movies just historically, just critically have not been as good as the Marvel films for the most part. Yeah. And it's so going from like, Hey, Batman and Superman are in a movie together. Like that's not enough anymore. So it like, feel like, Hey, we got this person you really like, who's really talented. He's going to make, green lantern and like for me personally i'm like okay i'm more interested in that because i can't just get excited that you're making a flash movie now because i'm just part of me is like i hope you don't ruin it i guess cool. yeah but now the behind the scenes sound <laughs> for the flash is hey michael keaton will be on screen again it's like, ah, that, that does seem pretty good yeah i, I wonder how many how long it's going to take for them to undo a lot of that bad will like how many like legitimately great DC movies is it going to take before people actually start thinking they're great you know like I think I think they already hit it I mean I think people yeah, like, flock to Aquaman and Wonder Woman to the point that eh, Justice League not for me but no real harm done as far as I can tell I feel like oh Joker of course yeah yeah I feel like there is still this reputation at least for me where it feels like okay well I, I feel like it's still like bad until proven good with a lot of these movies where I see like okay Wonder Woman 84 has a lot of potential because I like Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and I, I think it is the same director right yep but it feels like, oh, if they're announcing a new property, I feel like a lot of people still kind of come at it very, like, cautiously of, like, if they announce, like, even the Batman feels like, okay, people are into this. And it's like, that's sort of where they are. It's like, okay, this could be good. I'm seeing, I'm seeing signs of life here. Whereas I think anything Marvel related is like, this is going to be an automatic, like, there's a baseline quality that I can expect. And it's going to be at least fine to good. Yes. Uh, whereas I think here, I think people are more kind of all over the scale on what they think of these movies. Yeah. It's kind of like how yeah. I feel about the, uh, the X-Men film series is similar to that. Like that series is pretty up and down where I, and I'm a huge X-Men guy, but every time there's a new one of those, it's like, I hope this is one of the good ones. I don't know. <laughs> As a huge X-Men guy, are you going to the theaters to see new mutants, which is Disney's first test of like, will people go to the theaters? Let's sacrifice this weird legacy product. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. 
great. <laughs> well, I wish him the best. Um, okay, should we talk about Rocksteady's actual game here? Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Uh, Marcus, what was your gut reaction seeing that trailer? That very CG trailer. It was a really pretty CG trailer. <laughs> yeah. And it had some funny parts, but I that's about it. Not doing it for I you? I want to see gameplay. I mean, it was cool, but, you know, I, I've kind of gotten over big, expensive CG trailers for the most part. And, you know, especially that coming after Gotham Knights, would have, which had that big gameplay demo mm-hmm. alongside it, to give you an idea of what it was, I was kind of hoping to see something from yeah. this outside of kind of confirming, like, oh, okay, they are working on Suicide Squad, which you're like, all right, I kind of knew that. And it looks like a Suicide Squad thing, like, tonally and whatever. But I was like, I, I want to see, like, even just, like, have somebody sit down and just talk about like here's what you're going to be doing in suicide squad yeah i mean the um, structure and the gameplay for sure but it's like okay we know open world metropolis which is interesting i think for a cg trailer it did give a fair amount of hints towards the gameplay even just the stylization it looks so much more sunset overdrive than i was expecting even just simple stuff like you know captain boomerang he's like throwing his boomerang and then teleporting to where the boomerang is and it's like the sparkly effects uh harley quinn has like the grappling hook deadshot has like the jetpack where he's like flying and like burning people with it so i feel like there's enough there are enough teases in there to give you some idea of everybody's arsenal at least of what everybody's gonna be doing king shark is that his name? Yeah. Uh, it has like yeah. the guns and all that stuff. So it's like, okay, I think I get how these characters play, which is better than just CG trailer of people talking and then logo reveal. Do you think Superman will be like a persistent enemy? Or do you think it'll be if they have to do the full Justice League? Do you think he'll just fight him once and then deal with them? Because I feel like he'd be a cool uh, like recurring foe. Like he shows up and you just kind of have to fend him off because he's Superman. You can't. And none of those characters have like anything close to be able to take him down. So I think it'd be kind of fun, like cooperatively to f- basically fight something almost like a super powered version of uh, Mr. X of like this guy to just suddenly you're doing your thing. And then he yeah. flies through the wall and you're like, Oh crap, mm-hmm. it's Superman. That would be <laughs> so be- fun. Well, maybe it'll be a thing of you see him in the beginning, you fight him, he kicks your ass and then you go to Batman, you beat him up and then learn his secrets for how to take down the rest of the justice league. Well, yeah. It seems like it, like the setup, like the, the path of least resistance seems like, Oh, everybody except for Batman and the justice league has been corrupted by Brainiac. Who was in like his whole skull thing was in the trailer. Right. But for whatever reason, Batman's like incapacitated. He can't help you out, but he can basically be like the narrator, like the, the guy kind of telling you where to go and what to do. And because he has like all those contingency plans, he's the guy. Who's, okay. Well, if you're going to take down wonder woman, you guys are going to have to do this or like, here's what you do against Aqu- Aquaman and the Flash, which like that that seems like the 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 setup if the the title is killed the Justice League, right? There's something, Jeff. I'm you're a nice skeptical lad. It, there's something about that name where I think the entire point of the Suicide Squad in a lot of ways is they want to be edgy. It's like, hey, you're playing as the bad guys. Isn't this crazy? I have never got that vibe from Suicide Squad. I've never thought that they're bad or edgy. I see this and it's like, whatever. I felt more edgy being Batman just beating the crap out of people in a back alley than it was like, ah, Harley Quinn swears more and they're going to try to kill the Flash. And it's like, well, not really, because it's this brainiac infested version of the Justice League. Like, there ain't nothing naughty about this, Jeffem. Yeah, I I was going to ask because I haven't seen the Suicide Squad movies, but is that the general gist that like, a different bad guy has taken over the good guys and so they have to get the bad guys to stop the bad good guys. Normally it's 
there's we need to assemble it, a group of bad guys to take down a really bad guy. Yeah, it's like the stuff that we don't either want to send the good guys to do. Like their their name literally implies like, hey, you guys are expendable, so we'll throw mm. you in these suicide missions and just whatever happens happens. If you get it done, great. If you die, well, you guys are all like hardened supervillains, so who cares? Right. And they're working they get, for the yeah. cops. And if they choose not to, then their brain explodes. They have like implants. That type of thing. Uh, the old yeah, so you would brain. send them like, hey, you guys go deal with Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, I, I understand why no one would ever make a game where you are just the bad guys and you are actually going after and killing the good guys. Why? Uh, I, it, I feel like society is ready for That's the game I want to play, though, is, is what I was going to say. Is like, that sounds infinitely more interesting than okay the bad the good guys are all brainwashed you have to incapacitate them you know which is probably what's going to end up happening here you're not actually going to kill wonder woman even if that's what they name the game you know (laughs) which is so i i think they will honestly i think they're i mean that that makes it more interesting to me it like i i like i like playing with those conventions of of just doing something different than the I'm a good guy, I'm going to stomp out the bad guys and then we're all going to be happy at the end of this. I like playing with the with the good versus bad roles and exploring that a little more. And so I hope that's the way they go. But I, I, I would... My, my dream version of this game would be get rid of the Brainiac crap and just put me in a squad of bad guys that has to deal with, with right. the good guys. And especially... I understand DC is very, very protective of these things, but at the same time, when it's a game, you don't have to worry about continuity for comics. It's like this offshoot. Yeah. Just why not game on? And obviously it hurts sequel ideas, but they have enough other characters they can jump to if they really need to. Uh, why not just let you actually take down Superman? Try but, and kill I, Superman. Yes. Marcus, think, you think that yeah. you will actually kill these people in the game? I feel like Rocksteady has shown with their trilogy that they're willing to go some crazy directions. Yeah, that's true. With, um, the fiction, like there's some, like they've done some surprising stuff in those Arkham games and like in terms of characters they've gotten rid of and stuff. So what that makes me think that like they've proven themselves to uh, be trusted to like, hey, if we'll give you the Justice League, if you want to put a bullet in Superman's head, then sure, if you think it works. So that, honestly, I think that they'll have free reign to... I, I picture it as kind of like a God of War scenario of like you taking down these pantheon of gods. Yeah. And just like killing them in probably pretty violent ways. Like just I, that's in my head. I think they're actually going to go all the yeah. way with it. I, I cannot <laughs> imagine that game having a sequence where Harley Quinn is beating Wonder Woman to death with a bat. I don't think the yeah. game's going to be that bold, but that's, you know, it's weird to say I'm rooting for that. I'll swap it to something. <laughs> Let's say boomerang beating flash to death. That feels better. Uh, I, that's what I want to happen. And I, I hope that, yeah, DC lets them be that bold. Yeah. It's weird. I think that even like Injustice kind of shows a little bit that they are willing to have those heroes at odds in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But I, I but yeah, I'm kind of split in that I, I feel like the higher ups are going to pull those, try to pull those punches as much as possible to say like, yeah, we don't, we don't want to sell this game as like, yeah, this is the game where like you're a real bad person and you beat mm-hmm. up good people. Like that's, I don't think marketing would go for that. But on the other hand, you know, like I think that with, you know, like a Joker doing as well as it has, I think there is maybe some appeal Mm. from higher ups of like, hey, we can go some really dark directions. But like that doesn't seem like the tone that that trailer sets is what is sort of where I'm at. 
like that trailer seems like, oh yeah, it's really cool to be all these different people who are edgy. Like they don't, they don't want to portray these people as like legitimately terrible people. They want to portray them as like anti-heroes. Like they're, they're like, rogue badasses versus actual like villains in they're this not game. evil in any way right so that's why they have the, the conceit of like oh well you have to you have to calm down superman he's not actually doing anything objectionable it's like not his fault you like he, superman is still a good yeah. guy we promise you're not actually fighting against justice in any in any way like what you're doing is justified is i think the way they're going to sell that right yeah i think so yeah justified league uh, there was a great video on YouTube from Bilbzy on YouTube that broke down a lot of the Easter eggs. Obviously, you know, stuff like, okay, LexCore sign in the background, Blaze Comics sign in the background, all the balloons. Uh, there's a Star Labs cup in the beginning, all that stuff. Um, but then he caught something where there is a piece of graffiti on one of the walls that's the Batman logo. And then underneath it, like the bottom half is like a huge Joker smile. Like it's some sort of like fusion of Batman and the Joker. And so I don't know if that's a gang or what that could be hinting at, uh, but expect some Joker stuff to be happening uh, in Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Batman went full Joker mode. Yeah, you had to fill the gap. That's what Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also, just a small weird tidbit is on that Fat Man Beyond podcast, the Kevin Smith podcast, his co-host is Mark Bernardin, who has written for... Uh, Star Trek Picard now, stuff like that. Um, but there's a weird beat where they're like, oh, can we talk about the Suicide Squad game? And Mark's like, uh, no, moving on. And so <laughs> I think he might be like consulting on it because they really only dodge that type of stuff if they're connected to it. So I wonder if he's writing part of that game or what's going on there, but there's something going on. Um, all right. Any other thoughts on Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League coming out 2022. It's been seven years. Yeah, between. I would love to see the like very, you know, let's say uh, uh, one Blake Hester deep dive into like what were what if like what is the arc between Arkham Knight uh, fixing the PC version of Arkham Knight and then yeah. uh, what they did n- until 2022, basically, because it feels like that seven years is a long time uh for you know five years later to get just like well all we have is the cg trailer right and i don't want to say like they haven't been doing anything because obviously they have right i just want to know what they've been up to since then well don't forget this little anomaly they did create a fourth arkham game with arkham vr which was rock city joint that that had to be an all hands on deck project well who knows did that like superman game ever exist in any form like does the superman that's in suicide squad ever is that a remnant of that yeah i doubt it i think that was just one of those things of it seems like the internet was just connecting those dots of saying well they did batman what's next obviously superman but hopefully yeah. they had a more interesting T leak for a while too uh yeah i remember i visited rocksteady back in 2014 2015 and they adamantly insisted that they have never ever worked on a tmnt <laughs> game and will never work on a tmnt <laughs> game um but i think it's just another one of those things of like okay let's look at the properties they could work on of course they're gonna be working on a harry potter game until it turns out that you know avalanche over in utah is working on the harry potter game uh but some project fell through and that handoff of Warner brother montreal's suicide squad game to become rocksteady's is such a fascinating transition that I want to understand. And in the little panel, Sefton Hill, who's the creative director for Suicide Squad, he's the creative director of all the Batman games. Um, he said, they're like, oh, it was great. We just got to look through the DC archive and figure out what character we want to do next. And Suicide Squad really stood out to us for the characters alone. And we couldn't say no. It's like, well, we know from behind the scenes talk that that's not how it went, that it was a matter of this is unless 
they really want to do Suicide Squad and Warner Brothers Montreal already claimed it. And then when that project fell through, they're like, oh, finally, now we can do it. But it seems a little convenient. Um, but anyways, that's Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League. Look for it in 2022, everybody. Next gen only. So that's nice that we get a nice clean break there. Uh, Surreal Vasquez, sir, you've been yeah. checking out Mortal Shell. Yeah, uh, it's uh, a Dark Souls-like kind of game. Yeah, we talked about it a while ago. Kyle was playing the preview of this Mortal Shell. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's pretty interesting. I think it does a lot of weird things with that formula, and I don't. I'm in this weird position where. I feel like I did the first time I played Demon's Souls where I don't know if I really like it. Mm, okay. Uh, but, but a lot of it versus like, oh, this is just hard and unintuitive. Like it, cause that stuff is there as well. But a lot of it is like, oh, this isn't like what I'm used to because they have so many different things about it. Like you don't have any SS flasks, at least so far. I'm still pretty early in the game. I've only beaten one boss so far. Sorry, um, how uh, how close is that lawnmower? Is it mowing your living room at the time, or it's right outside my door? Okay, yeah. perfect. <laughs> Sorry, so you beat the first boss. Uh, so I, I've beaten the first boss, um, but you know there aren't any SS flasks. You have to run around and pick up mushrooms, and those are disposable. Like you, once you use them up, they're done. And they're more like in the um, Dark Souls two vein, where you kind of pop it and it slowly regenerates you versus giving you a burst of health. Yeah. Um, so you don't have a lot of permanent upgrade options. Um, the basic conceit is that instead of it being an RPG, it's sort of like it's more of an action game in that you have all these shells. And so far, I only have one shell. And the shell and means you get- you're just a, you're a white, weird, blank human being shell thing, and then you jump into other bodies for your different classes and stuff. Yeah, so, like, right now, like, the shell that I have is, like, this kind of beefy night guy, and every time you... So, you have two lives, basically. Uh, the first time you're basically killed, you jump out of your... Like, pushed out of your body, and you have, like, you have a... Um, like, you're still in that same fight, and you can run into your body and kind of reload into basically hop into it. Uh, but if you die again, then you're done. Like, you have to start over. Yeah. Um, uh, Marcus, and- you've been playing this too, right? Yeah, Ben, I'm a few hours in i'm probably maybe a little bit further than you sir because i've okay. two, like two bosses three maybe okay yeah so it's, i mean does it feel like it, it has it become more like dark souls x or does it has it just further spiraled into like oh this is a very different they're taking this in a very different direction i'd say it's it it, it still feels like its own thing so far like you know obviously it has a lot of those dark souls elements in terms of just like the way the bosses are designed and even like you know fall gates like kind of going down some of the checklist of what makes those games um but i feel like the the exploration feels a lot more it doesn't feel like a self-connected labyrinth the way that dark souls does like there are areas that connect but it feels like everything kind of branches out in its own direction yeah it feels like the first area is like you start in the center basically and you're kind of slowly working your way outwards and the thing that kind of tripped me up is that checkpoints work very differently because i thought i ran into what i thought was a checkpoint and i was trying to figure out how to use like my the equivalent of souls because you have souls which is like the currency you lose when you die basically and then you have glimpses (laughs) which are our more permanent currency Um, but i didn't know how to use them and it turns out there's only like five places in the game where you can actually use your currency but there's more checkpoints than that um but i didn't know that so um i had to figure out like okay is this a check is this actually a checkpoint or is it like just a weird marker um and there's just a lot of figuring things out again um and it's like the thing i'm struggling with is i don't know if it's 
Like I, there are parts of it where I'm just like, I don't know. I'm really struggling with this. I don't know if it's bad or if it's just because I've become so used to these games having like the set number of um, rules and kind of expectations in place. So like, yeah. like they have like the very vague uh, item descriptions and they, they even tell you like, hey, literally use this item more times in order to learn what it actually does. Which seems like not great because you would think it would just have like a very coy description and have you oh from what it tells me I can figure out that this is the, like a helix mushroom right yeah there's but, something charming yeah. when like Miyazaki does that or from software about like ah look at this vague item and then when it's another developer being like we won't tell you what the item does yet it's like fuck you just tell me <laughs> like you just yeah, have I, level don't, I don't like it in this game honestly like I I kind of was trying to get on board with like oh they're doing a Dark Souls thing but like maybe because I'm so precious with my resources I don't like the idea of getting something and not knowing if I should use it. Yeah. yeah right and it's like i'm fighting a boss like would this help me beat this thing should i use it and then you use it and you're like oh that was a waste and i don't know how rare this thing is because i'm still early on so like honestly i've kept the wiki up to where like if i find something yeah. i just look it up because i yeah. just I can't be bothered i yeah. feel like they're very much trying to replicate the feeling of mystery in like demon souls and the original dark souls where it feels like oh i have to figure out what everything does it feels like i have to really learn video games but I think yeah. what that ends up being is just like, yeah, just go on a wiki and read for like 10 minutes about how this game, what this game actually is, and then go back into the game with all that knowledge, right? It feels like that's going to be the cycle for a lot of people. And there's just stuff like um, kind of your main objectives from what I gather so far is you're going into the central area and you're looking at all these um, kind of memories that are like, okay, here's this image of like a tree and a path. And then the second image is, feels like it's going further down that path and it's kind of guiding you where you're supposed to go. Um, but I've had to see, look at those images so many times cause I'm just so forgetful about like, okay, so I go to this tree and then from here, what's the second image? So it just feels like instead of like, oh, head to the mountains or whatever, like some, that some NPC would give you, it just feels like they're trying to abstract everything in a way that feels mysterious, but I don't know that they're, that they always accomplish that in a way that feels like fun. Yeah. So Mortal Shell's out on PC, uh, Xbox one, PS4 seems like it's getting the classic, from software clone score of a lot of people are giving it eights <laughs> like IGN yeah, and GameSpot and, and stuff. And I'm enjoying it. I'm having okay. fun with it so far. I think it's a, a fun one of those for the most part. Fun one of those. Serial, do you think you keep playing Mortal Shell? I might. I think I just, I got, I think I got over like after beating the first boss, I feel like I got over the hump of like, I have, I don't have any Healy items. Um, yeah. But what you can do is you have like a, a, a parry that you build up a meter for. And if you happen to parry correctly and then attack, you, you get health back. I think that's supposed to be your consistent heal. And that feels like a cool difference. Like that feels like, okay, I'm not relying on like a bunch of resources. I'm relying on doing this one thing well enough that I can um, basically get my health back. And if they design all the bosses around like, okay, we, we designed all these bosses so that you don't heal, you don't come in with like 10 SS flasks. But if you can get this one parry, you can heal. I think that seems pretty cool. And I kind of dig the idea that it, it's, because it's less of an RPG, you kind of go into every fight knowing, like, I can probably handle this. Maybe not quite yet, or maybe I can go get an upgrade or two, but I don't have to be, like, level 25 or whatever to, to be able to face this thing, which seems pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Shell, everybody. Um, I checked out No Straight Roads, which is out now on Switch and PC and PS4. I do believe this is a game, Jeff, you might recall, we did the Great Goatee Hunt for right. when the preview released a couple months ago i guess it was it's from metronomic which is a malaysian studio and uh it is directed and the studio is founded by the lead designer of final fantasy 15 who i met while visiting you know square enix on that cover story trip back with game informer and uh he's a very nice man 
Um, and this game is a game that I really want to like, where it's a music action game. It it feels like a game that Harmonix probably pitched a couple times. You know, it. And if I had to boil it down, it feels like you combine a double fine game with a Harmonix game. It's like okay, think of like that seven point five ish double fine arena of games combined with uh, some harmonic sensibilities so it's an action game where you're taking down different bosses much like the justice league some of the bosses like the second one is just basically hatsune miku so it's like how do you fight this boss that doesn't exist and can transform and doesn't have to adhere to the whims of reality um but it has a lot of scott pilgrim vibes just for you serial vasquez uh, so it's a cool presentation. Like you have to give it up for the presentation. It's worth looking at footage of just to see how bold and strange it is for a game. And I'm happy that new IP like this exists. It's a hell of an effort. I don't know if I'll keep playing it. I'm literally Googling it now because I never heard of it. Oh, so really? It's a, like the vibe that I w- that I got from the trailer was uh, kind of brutal legend e. Does that mm. feel, well? Does that feel correct? It no? is in the sense that the goal is you know you're a two man rock band and you're like we're here to bring back rock and this entire city has been taken over by EDM and EDM sucks so let's bring back rock and roll music. So it's a little bit I'm of that like school of rock. You know, the Brutal Legend School of Rock uh, class, but yeah. It's, Can you choose whether or not the characters will bleep their curses or not? No, you can't. And they have a bunch of custom mm. uh, funky words overall. But it's yeah. it's a very cool game, and I'm happy that it's out. Uh, it seems like maybe at some point, if it goes on sale, you can you can check out No Straight Roads. Um, let's see. Oh, there's also this week to fill Nintendo's gap of um deafening silence i think we'd all call it trying to figure out what they're doing the second half of this year uh they even had a direct and it feels like they're continuing to be silent exactly yeah they did the (laughs) nintendo direct mini partner showcase just as many qualifiers as possible on there not too much they they showed fuser harmonics's upcoming game coming out this fall they announced Puyo Puyo tetris 2 which uh tetris was one of my favorite games of 2017 i think that first game came out i'm so happy to have it on my switch it's just an awesome awesome competitive tetris and competitive puyo game but at the same time it's like there's no universe where they can sell me in it too i have everything i want from that first game which is a great competitive puyo puyo and a great competitive Tetris. i'm I'm in a very different place where i lost my copy of puyo puyo tetris and now i'm kind of happy i don't have to rebuy that version i can just wait for the sequel (laughs) oh perfect there we go how'd you lose it where'd that go i lost my switch on a plane oh that's right god do you remember what trip that was? Uh, it might have been the time I went to see Battlefield Five in New York. Okay. Uh, was it worth well, it? You think someone has it and is playing Tetris right now? I bet there's a flight attendant who stole my Switch. Is where I'm at because I contacted them several times, and at one point they said, "I think we have it," and then they were like, "Oh no, we definitely do not have it at all." Monsters. No bitch, anyone never saw your Switch again. No good. You're the guy in the background, like, shh, shh, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been told to shut up, so I hear I'm, Puyo Puyo is falling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Nintendo said they're going to be releasing more direct mini partner showcases later this year, but still silence about what's going on with those mario remasters and what's going on with everything else nintendo yeah because there has been a lot of like you know industry insiders telling you about like oh yeah i guess they're yeah they're definitely releasing or announcing a mario 3d all-stars collection Mm -hmm. this year and everyone keeps saying it but every time it's like hey there's gonna be i've heard about this game that's coming out 
there's this direct happening. So everyone always seems to link those two events, and it hasn't happened yet. Right. So I think, yeah. so I think like Nintendo has this weird captive audience that it's like anything we announce, everyone will show up because we will continue to give them nothing. <laughs> and they'll maybe Nintendo like hasn't it. actually started on those Mario remasters, and they saw the the rumors around it and they're like oh people want this oh we should start that we can will it into existence did you guys yeah. see that weird there's a youtube video with the valve news insider guy and he was saying that that entire rumor that everybody ran with years ago about Star Fox grand prix that retro studios was making a Star Fox racing game that that was complete bs and it was all a deliberate plant on nintendo's part to root out leakers do you believe that maybe i could who knows i feel like like i feel like a lot of leaks have been coming out of nintendo recently or maybe that's just the ones i've been paying attention to because nintendo has again not said anything right uh so it, it i i don't like i won't dismiss it out of hand but it does seem weird um but that like that video was even part of a larger thing about how there's going to be a, a more powerful switch which is a thing people were talking about before right yeah yeah we have a community question about that so we can dive into that in the back okay. half of the show here um also, in honor of the celebration of Tony Hawk, uh, I watched the documentary about the creation of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series called Pretending I'm a Superman. Of course, you have to call it that. Um, but it's a solid documentary. It's available on Amazon Prime and like iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Xbox, if you're going to rent it somewhere. Um, but it has that tough thing of, okay, if we're making a documentary about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, you have to put it in its place in history, which means you kind of have to get into the history of skateboarding. <laughs> it's like, it's imagine it's a very slippery slope and a tough thing for the producers to figure out, like, what's the cutoff? Because you can't just jump in with, like, skateboarding was kind of down. So then we made this game, and then it took off. You have to tell about, like, the roller coaster ride of skateboarding up until the release of that documentary. Um, but I love how declarative Tony Hawk is in that documentary, and no one can argue with it, I don't think, but he says, like, hey, this game led to the rise of skateboarding popularity again in the late 90s and early 2000s and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is the reason that skateboarding's in the Olympics now. And then he also says the reason that so many of these new tricks exist and new combos they were not possible before is because people did them in the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series and then brought them actually into skate parks and competitions. So he's making those big swings but it's interesting because they have a lot of younger skaters talking about the impact of the game and how that got them into skateboarding. And then I really had to take a step back and be like, were those games the reason my friends got into skateboarding? I think they probably were like, do you all remember the impact of those early games? Yeah. I was never a big skateboarder, but I definitely hung out with a lot of people who skateboarded when I was in like middle school and high school. And I, I feel like the common thing we had was that we both played those games. Yeah. Uh, So like, like even if I didn't skateboard, I kind of understood where they were coming from. Like why everyone in my middle school wore vans all the time, Uh, (laughs) things like that. Like, I feel like I I kind of understood and and connected with those people more than like a lot of other social groups, just from having played those Tony Hawk games. I went down a half pipe, not knowing how to skateboard because I thought I could do it because I played Tony Hawk. I ended in disaster. What happened? Uh, like, so it was a combination of playing, because I wasn't into skateboarding at all until I played Tony Hawk and was like, hey, I could do this, <laughs> um, but never really learned how to stay on the board. And I never had a skateboard. I just practiced at friends. So I was like, oh, good enough. So I went to like a skate park that was like in a summer camp that I was going to, and they had a legit half pipe yeah. built up and there was like a ton of skaters. And basically 
me, because I was so good at the game, I was like, I think I know how to skateboard. Plus, I watched a lot of Rocket Power, so this is easy. Oh, no. um, I went up there and just like went over and just ate it real bad, like face down, like slid down, like Peter Griffin down the stairs, <laughs> hurt myself. And uh, thankfully, didn't break anything. And I still don't know how I did it because it was a hell of a fall. And this is in front of like a bunch of like legit skater kids, like yeah. cool kids. And so um, I was like hurt, but it didn't hurt nearly as much as everyone kind of pausing for a second and then busting out laughing and then kind of had to collect my skateboard and just limp my way out of there. And that was like legit the last time I ever stepped on a skateboard. Oh my God. <laughs> you should go back. It is fun. Just zero pressure. Just go skateboard in a parking lot. It still will defend it. See, I just realized I'm the exact opposite of you, Marcus, because in high school, uh, somehow I heard that somebody was getting, that somebody didn't want a... Uh, half pipe anymore and they were in like a neighboring town and so my dad and I and a couple friends went got the half pipe dismantled the full half pipe then created a huge half pipe in my backyard and I never went on it once <laughs> it was like fun to like sit on and stuff and like skateboard on the bottom I guess but I never got the nerve to actually go down the ramp that was in my backyard for my entire childhood which is it's a nice conversation piece like friends come over and they're like wow you're a skater and you're like yes I am I'm like do a trick well you know it's, it's wet right now yeah Not now. I own I skater that. things yeah yeah I just hit a 900 I can't do it right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 900 speaking of which I didn't realize how close that was to the release of the first game and that's like a, they see it as a huge part of the success of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 where he did the 900 he landed it for the first time three months before the release of that first game and so once they landed it then he had this huge boom in popularity and then they're like oh crap we have to get this in the game so it was like a super late addition to that first game to actually get it in the game because he had pulled it off in real life yeah. didn't they have the video of it in the game like wasn't it part of the FMV that's a great question I don't remember if it is. Obviously, he has the loop in the beginning, but I don't remember if the 900's in yeah. there, if they would have spliced that in too. But speaking of video editing, I also learned that Tony Hawk in one of like the waning uh, kind of eras for skateboarding in late 80s, early 90s, I guess it would have been, that he was editing videos and he edited Turbo Graphics commercials hmm. like for his origin okay. with video games, which is just bizarre. And then he talks about the history of the series and how... Uh, he doesn't say who it was, but he said there's some developer for uh, some PC developer is how he framed it was telling him like, Hey, Tony Hawk, you're the biggest name in skateboarding. Go out there and talk to publishers about making a skateboarding game. And so he talks about the different meetings he had, how Nintendo called him over and he had a meeting with Nintendo and Nintendo passed on the entire series. And that he says that rockstar pitched him on a skateboarding game, but that it was too difficult and too complicated. So he didn't want to partner with them. But I think he's confused because he says, oh, take two. Oh, how does he frame it? He's like, take two pitch me on the game. Who's now Rockstar? It's how Tony Hawk says it. So I was like, well, mm. that's not right. So was it take two that pitched him on it? Or was it actually DMA design around that era where take two bought Rockstar and that entire saga? I just don't know if it was actually the Rockstar developers compared to other take two developers. But that's a whole saga. Um, but it's a pretty solid documentary. Um, and... We have the producer of the documentary on this week's episode of Mintrax, our music podcast, to talk about creating the series, uh, licensing the music for that original run. So please subscribe to our music podcast, Mintrax, to check out the new episode. I think it'll be a fun, interesting time. Um, Marcus, do you know how this whole thing operates? 
believe it is via Patreon. Via Patreon. Viva Patreon, I say. Patreon.com slash minmax. Two ends. Uh, thank you to everybody that uh, listens and watches the show, but then also goes one step beyond and supports us on Patreon to get this whole indie trainer rolling. We have a new month coming up in September. Uh, we're going to be moving out of the Minmax studio. And so you can get a plug for the fresh new month of MinMax content and even get on the Wall of Heroes. We will be taking the Wall of Heroes with us to the new studio. Um, so if you want to plug your passion project, your small business, your medium-sized business, your big business, I guess we'll let you in the door. Um, or just a plug for your podcast or Twitch channel, anything like that. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways you can have us plug your content. We'd love to help you out and you can help keep us afloat. Um, also, Jeff, um, we should probably plug the deepest dive on Halo Combat Evolved. We just wrapped it up this week with a huge conversation about the game's multiplayer. That's right. Um, for a multiplayer-only discussion, I thought that was a very, very fun chat. It felt looser to not have the chains of the chronology to work through. Yeah, and and I think we were all going into it being like, is this going to be like half an hour and then we're not going to have anything to say? But I, as always, the community came through with like a lot of things to think about in different topics and how it all tied in. And I think we all had a ton to talk about in part because we played a bunch with the community. Yeah. And had a great time playing with it. I mean, if you're listening to this and watching this and you have never checked out the MinMax discord, you get access to it if you support us at any tier. Um, and then once you're in that discord, go to the community gaming section and see what games people are playing. Cause it was such a breath of fresh air to play with a large community. Like we were filling up halo games, a large, nice community. That's exactly it. It's just, it's like the thrill or the appeal of playing with random people online, except everybody's nice and everybody you can talk to <laughs> and everybody's mm-hmm. funny too, which is the best part. Uh, so please check that out. Um, and let us know what you think about the multiplayer focused um deepest dive discussion let us know if you'd like us to cover more multiplayer games in the future of the deepest dive we want to go back to single player games we'll announce what our next deepest dive is going to be within the next month we have to have some conversations about it ourselves also wanted to plug is it it suicide squad that's right please look Mm -hmm. forward to it everybody we are going to kill the justice league Um, all right but wanted to give a plug to to our uh, Twitch channel. We were streaming, obviously, the Great Goaty Hunt every single week. We're streaming skateboarding games uh, like the remake, Tony Hawk 2, Pro, uh, Tony Hawk 5, uh, on Wednesday night. So the archive will be up, at least on YouTube, if you're listening to this. Um, but check us out on Twitch. Follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash show for more gameplay streams in the future. Also, wanted to plug that we have an interview coming up on Tuesday that's pre-recorded that Jeffum, it's going to be unexpected. And it's going to be out of this world. Mm. Mm. Anyways, thanks to Captain Stubbs One for his huge support of MinMax here. He says, hey, MinMax family, I'm back with a new project this time. Have you ever wondered how bad Fallout 3 lockpicking is or how often you should be changing the keys on your home? Come on over to the Ask a Locksmith podcast where all these and more are answered. Every other week on all major podcast apps, I sit down to answer the burning questions sent to askalocksmithpod at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer yours too. See, Captain Stubbs One is great because he supports MinMax and he started up this podcast about his area of expertise being a locksmith. So Ask a Locksmith podcast Give it a listen. As Jeffem likes to say, it's free. Give him a review on iTunes yeah. or wherever you're listening to it and uh, send him a question about 
picking locks. Everybody has locksmith questions. It's a fascinating field. So you can send them those questions to askalocksmithpod at gmail.com. Also, thanks to GamerBox for being a big supporter of MinMax. Uh, GamerBox wants you to know that orders for September's GamerBox are now live. This month, we're celebrating Dota 2, Mario Kart, Overwatch, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. As always, there's a guaranteed autograph in every gamer box. Boxes remain in pre-order until September 15th, but you don't want to wait. There's only 2,500 available. You can order by going to thebambox.com. Serial, that URL one more time is... Bambox. Jeffum, what type of box? It's a BAM box. There we go. Baby. And thanks to I Am 8-Bit as well for the support of MinMax. They have on the wonderful I Am 8-Bit store uh, a Japanese import. It is the Cuphead 2-disc CD set. For everybody that doesn't have a record player, it's a 2-disc CD set of Cuphead soundtrack, including 12 variant tracks and two completely new, never-before-released tracks. Marcus, what's better than Cuphead soundtrack? Not a lot, because that soundtrack is fantastic, and it's actually one of my kind of rotating game soundtracks that I put in when I just want to feel really happy and energetic. Well, wouldn't you like 12 variant tracks and two never-before-released tracks? That sounds right up my alley, sir. Well, there we go. Go to I Am 8-Bit and their store to order these. It comes with an exclusive booklet with archival Cuphead artwork and never-before-read liner notes. And as always, everything on the I Am 8-Bit store, you can use the promo code MINMAXSHOW to get 10% off. And they're very generous people, and every week they give something away to our community from their online store. Whoever we deem has the best question or comment of the week wins something from I Am 8-Bit. And this week it is the Old Man's Journey vinyl soundtrack, a fantastic soundtrack, and it'll be a real saga. And they will ship that out to you. So thank you for I Am 8-Bit support, and thanks everybody that supports us on Patreon at any tier and submits a wonderful question for us to wade through. Do you all want to get to these questions? Do we? First question comes from MacDack. MacDack says, along with the Switch rumors about new hardware, there's speculation that a slew of games will come out around the launch of the Switch 2.0 slash revision thing. What games do you see as big contenders to launch with the revised Switch? My money would be on Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 or even a remastered special edition of Breath of the Wild 1. Okay, so... I feel like it's been rumbling for a while. Then this week, there were more rumors. Bloomberg had the report... Uh, talking about how in early 2021 there's going to be a new version of the Switch, and Bloomberg reports that the only word on what the graphics may include is a note that it will support 4K graphics, but it may get a boost from new games. The other part of the report is that a slew of games from Nintendo itself and related outside studios could turn around this year's relatively light release schedule. Uh, A 4K supporting Switch. Who wants one? Hey, check under your seats. Everyone's got one. <laughs> it's here the whole time, and they hadn't even announced it. Uh, I think it makes that makes Nintendo's dry spell for the year make sense. Uh, I don't know that I fully think that's the reason why they did it, but it seems to be it, it seems to be more of a oh that's a cool coincidence versus like no we're pulling we're basically pulling out of 2020 to support this updated console. But like the one thing that does make me think that they are kind of pulling back is that super mario 3d all-stars because i think they might want to announce that new switch and then say like hey mario in 4k like even even if it's not like uh even if it's more of an up than anything else if it's not like true mario in 4k i think having that selling point be one of them for that collection seems like okay we can hold this back for a couple of things it's not like the most major project uh for us so we can't afford to have that be the big selling point of this new console is like hey mario and 4k i don't think they'll need that i think that mac is right i think it's going to be breath of the wild 2 
is going to be the big thing. They got out of the gate with Breath of the Wild 1. I think they're saving this for that. I think they'll still... They need something this holiday. I think it's still going to be that Mario collection. And they can get it out of the beat. You know, we're not going to... Well, it'll look nice, but they don't need to, like, say, look at the crazy power of the Switch. It can run Super Mario Sunshine in 4K now. Like, compared to the excitement of that versus Breath of the Wild 2, it's well, fine day. It's like- I, it's not necessarily that they have to have one game, right? Like, I think it's part of their big blood. It's like, we have a new Zelda, we sort of have a new Mario, and that, like, Mario, here's a huge collection, right? It's part of their yeah. big blood versus, like, this is the only thing that's going to be there. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think you're right in that, like, they have to do something this year. I don't think Pikmin 3 is, like, the the full extent of their holiday offerings. But I also, more than any other publisher, I feel like Nintendo is, like, the person, like, the type of company who would say, like, you know what? No, nah, we don't need we don't need to play this holiday season. We can just you know, go about our business, keep selling remasters. Yeah. The Switch is I, I, at ridiculous speeds anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like Nintendo goes through droughts all the time and it's never because of some grand scheme behind things. But but we, we're always trying to come up with reasons for Nintendo being Nintendo. Like, they, yeah. there's probably just this gap in their release schedule and they don't really care that much. They're They're like the one company that isn't going to rush stuff out the door if it's not ready. So, you know, and if there's one year to take a break, this is probably it. Well, in terms of like whatever. Hmm? Oh, oh, in terms of COVID? COVID and Animal Crossing being a success, like it's still pretty hard to find a switch. Still yeah, now. right. But so. I thought you're going to go the other direction of it's a year to take a break because of the new consoles coming out. Maybe Nintendo oh, is staying quiet about when these Mario games are coming out because they, they want it to hit right before the new consoles come out. And so, God, I know they're so, they, uh, you know, they don't exactly pay attention and follow the whims of other and react in a big way to what the other, you know, first parties are doing. But at the same time, their silence is deafening. And the other deafening silence is obviously the release dates and the prices of the next gen consoles. And so maybe they would wait and then come out a couple weeks before that with their big Mario shindig. Because if it turns out that they announced the Mario pack is coming October 25th, and then up, oh, and then also the consoles are coming out October twentieth. Like I think that would have a little bit of an impact about excitement for that thing. Yeah, That's but what, what Halo, do you, right? yes, they heard yeah. Mario was coming what, out. <laughs> what do you think the odds, though, that like all of the high up executives in Nintendo are sitting around, like having a meeting, saying, "Oh well, if if we delay announcing these Mario games until these other consoles come out with their prices, that could be a big bump for us." Like they just they just don't care about that. I kind don't of think stuff. they'd say it like that because they'd be speaking Japanese. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah that changes true. everything. Yeah, but in terms of MacDax's question, you know, what other games could be contenders here? Bayonetta three seems like one they could probably use a little more. Uh, a little more graphics chops, powering that sucker. Metroid Prime 4. Like, uh, yeah, Metroid was what I thought of first. That'll probably be later. That I don't think it'll make that. I think the one, they were saying maybe March or something, but I don't think that would, so like, I don't think Metroid Prime 4 would be making that launch. No, they're still like hiring. Like, There's still so many posts about like, hey, yeah. be our producer, please, for Metroid Prime 4. Be our writer for Metroid Prime 4 right now. Be our project starter for metroid prime 4 we need concept artists i mean it seems so early it's like do you think it's far enough along to at the very least if they announce a switch to they show a trailer to kind of hype like oh metroid prime 4k oh that's good it's gonna play best on the switch too when it comes out two years later i bet they do what you were getting at surreal where 
there have been those very strong rumors that the Metroid Prime trilogy is ready to go. I wonder if one of the reasons that rumor's been so strong and then it's been silence is maybe they hold that and do that with the 4K Switch, you know, in that vein yeah. of what you're getting at with the Mario stuff. If they could say like, hey, now you can play Metroid Prime 1 in 4K legally. Isn't that cool, you know? <laughs> legally. They just say that in everything. <laughs> legally. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah, I feel like they, they have a... I mean, obviously, Nintendo has like one of the bigger back catalogs, so they could go back and anything remastered. They could do this whole Switch thing again and say, like, all those Switch remasters are now available in 4K. Not obviously not reselling them for sixty dollars, but like, you sure? Just, just go. Well, I mean, those games are still sixty dollars. So it'd be weird, but like, they could advertise all of their like, hey, we're giving 4K updates to all of these games. We're repackaging them. They're still sixty dollars. You know, like they can keep up those prices still, right? Yeah. Um. So. Uh, Nick L says, wow, August is almost over, which means summer is almost over. With DC Fandom, it seems like the big announcements spread out over the summer because of E3's absence are done. So who do you think has benefited the most and least from the lack of E3? I'm leaning towards Ubisoft, most due to them being able to direct attention away from their internal culture problem, and simultaneously Sony and Microsoft the least because now they have to play chicken with the next-gen prices. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm gonna say Nintendo the least, mainly because they didn't really need it. Like they, you know, didn't do press conferences or any of that in general. And they, like them being already used to doing these kind of digital style directs, kind of prepared them years in advance for this reality. So they've benefited so, the least. I'm trying to think of these. Yeah, flips. <laughs> in terms of like, it didn't really hurt them to not have an E3 at all. Like that, it barely did anything to them. But benefit the least would be the most damage, right? Because I think when Nick L is saying, I think if I'm following this logic, right, like Microsoft and Sony benefited the least because they didn't have that 10 pole of saying, announce the price here. And now they're stuck in that limbo of uh. Sony wasn't even going to be at E3 this year anyway. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it it benefited the major publishers the most in that like. Bethesda didn't really have anything to show, so they're yeah. off the hook. You know, like EA can focus on the one or two games that they really do want to talk about, and it's not being compared to like, well, you have to come to E3 with this massive portfolio. And then Sony, Sony and Xbox both like don't have a ton of first party stuff to show off for the new console yet. Yeah. And and I think I think they're dodging that price question because they don't want to answer it yet. And so just like the freedom to be able to announce things when you want to without having this concrete deadline where people expect all that information, I think it benefits all of them. And I yeah. think the, the people that it hurts are the little companies that would have gotten press that they just won't get by not being right. at three. Yeah. With maybe the exception of any minor company associated with Nintendo, since they, they get all eyes on them yeah. for whatever partner directs or mini directs they have. Yeah, WayForward's stock is surging. That's right. That Bakugan. The Bakugan name is strong now. <laughs> um, by the way, we apologize if you look like idiots. We obviously uh, recorded this before Gamescom opening night live. So they've revealed any prices or anything there. Please take this with a grain of salt. Um, Sean Burke asks, Hey, everybody. Any of you check out uh, Summer Games Done Quick? What were some of your favorite runs? Baba is You and Batman Arkham City were two of my favorites. Hanson should definitely check out the Baba run. Uh, after seeing this, I did go check out that Baba run. It's in 30 minutes. They run through Baba is You, and it's amazing to see that 
complex puzzle game fly by and he's talking through what he's doing but when the world of of baba is you is so weird to begin with to have somebody running through it that fast and explaining like okay and then here i'm becoming the wall then wall touches the flag move on like he just summarizes in like a little narrative what's happening and so i jumped to some of the later levels that i've never seen in baba is you and it, it broke my brain like i've never seen a more dense piece of content in my life like in terms of every millisecond there's a mind-bending thing happening it's awesome but serial have you been checking out some of these yeah i watched the, i watched uh devil may cry 4 which i really enjoyed just the idea of like here's how you can completely break uh like sequence and stuff like he did one thing where he's in this tiny little corner and he's like i'm gonna basically use every move that nero has that gives him just a little bit of height and if i string all of these together in like you know milliseconds or whatever i can basically skip like half the level or and he'll do things like okay uh this enemy that everyone thought was super tough all you have to do is like parry him to do these two things and that, that this exploits his ai so he attacks this way and i immediately kill him and then the other one that the other two that i really like were doom eternal and that was that was a combination of like here's this like one of my favorite things he does is at some point he like grapples onto one enemy uh with the super shotgun and he like slingshots across like 90 percent of the level and it's like oh yeah i'm at the end of the level now having gotten like having slingshot off this one enemy and it's like a combination of that and just like here's how you here's how to play this game super well (laughs) like just like here's this encounter i'm gonna destroy it in like 30 seconds and then i'm done uh but my i think my favorite one is probably half-life alex oh what did that look like it's base. It's it is almost exactly what you imagine. Is like that game is uh, really technically difficult to have made. Obviously, so he does a lot of like literal uh, clipping in that he like okay if I uh, set the height adjustment thing here if so that I'm all the way up and then I crawl under this thing I can he and he'll literally move his entire body down on the floor and move a little bit and then like uh, height adjust with his controller and then stand up so that he'll be on top of a building basically. Oh, that's awesome. And so he'll do that a bunch. So it's like him just like, okay, now I have to move over here. And then like, it's a lot of, so his camera of him, is just like this like infrared area of him moving around in this space. And then he does the thing where it's like, I, I guess there's a glitch where it's like, if you do this thing, it'll teleport you to the, like in their coordinates, zero, zero, zero. And there's like two instances where that just happens to be the end of the level. So he'll just be, and there's one instance where it's not so he has to do okay i have to do this thing and then i have to move really quickly in this way so that i stop myself from going to like the abyss basically and he'll he's making these literal movements with his body to like mo- like basically move around the environment and it's like I, a, yeah, it's a really cool. fun thing to watch i've never thought about like vr speed runs but it becomes like a dance like it's like a very yeah i wonder if you could do that do you think if i just brought that dude i assume it's a dude uh brought him to a wedding and didn't have VR goggles on him, I could say, do the Half-Life Alex speed run, and he could do all those moves on the dance floor. <laughs> You'd have to be, I mean, it, it's a 40-minute dance, so maybe, <laughs> he, maybe just edit it, yeah. Get down tonight. Uh, Taylor Chadwick writes in and says, not going to the theater this summer to see Marvel movies has been nice. It's been a good break, and I'm kind of interested in the offerings from DC and gaming. What is the most underrated superhero game for DC and for Marvel? Any others not from those companies you can think of? For D, like one for DC and one for Marvel? Or just, yeah, most underrated superhero game in general, I think is the core of what Taylor's getting at. I've always felt like, even though it was kind of acclaimed at the time, um, the, the Neversoft Spider-Man game that came out in 2000 for PS1. Yeah. Uh, I've always th- thought for the longest time, pretty much up to Insomniac Spider-Man, I've always considered that the best Spider-Man game ever made. Over Spider-Man 2? So than- 
see, I love Spider-Man too, but I feel like if you take out the web swing, it's otherwise a pretty average open world game. Right. Um, and I, and I adore that game because of the web swinging, but I think in terms of being a complete like love letter to the comics, that Neversoft game nailed it in terms of just being an original story and having just a who's who of characters in it. And it played really well at the time. And I played that game just religiously because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And then kind of after, you know, once we got into PS2 generation, no one ever talked about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, Spider-Man 2 kind of became the de facto best spider-man game and i always kind of took exception to that even though i was obsessed with spider-man 2 uh so i always took every chance to get like no that neversoft game if you want like the complete spider-man package that's the one you should play even though it's probably aged horribly (laughs) (laughs) did you play Um, shattered dimensions and and those Beanox ones i played shattered dimensions i think that's a solid game it's probably the best spider-man game during that because i feel like that xbox p uh, 360 ps3 generation was a pretty dark time it's for like, spider-man it's games. amazing spider-man uh, games yeah yeah like even the spider-man 3 movie game early on right um, yeah but yeah i didn't play edge of time but i played all of shattered dimensions and i i liked it okay right it's on. solid uh i was thinking about underrated superhero games and uh, I, I think Lego Batman 2. It gets lost in the shuffle of like, oh, all those Lego games are the same. But that was like the first attempt at their open world. But the writing in Lego Batman 2 is so funny. It's an original story. It's all just focusing on Superman and Batman working together. And it's hilarious. Like those cutscenes alone. I mean, just go watch those. They're so much fun. And I remember falling in love with the very simple idea of when you're Superman, if you just float like an inch off the ground anywhere in the world the second you leave the ground it just dun 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 and starts playing the john williams superman score but it's like such a slow build always fun and like the bat or the lego games they will loop those musical themes over and over and over again but still throughout the entire game like hearing that superman theme and like timing flying around with that was so much fun uh beefcake has a killer question asking what is the worst food texture I tried steaming some okra the other night and was reminded it's like somebody blowing their nose directly into my mouth. Mm, yeah, thanks, beefcake. A, that's a good one. I mean, I it, hate oh, oranges and most most fruits for me. I can't what? eat fruit stuff. I and I don't eat fruits because I don't like eating the fruit itself. I like fruit <laughs> prepared in ways, but I don't know why. But I just cannot eat fruits, and I think oranges are number one. Like they're slimy. And they're gross. I used to hate watching kids peel it and, and just put it in their mouths as, as when I was in like school. I'd be like, you guys are insane. The, uh, okay, you're <laughs> insane. I'm sorry. But there's also, there's so much range for fruit. I mean, a banana and, and an orange? Come on. Bananas are good. Banana's the only fruit that I can just eat in its natural form. It's also a very different apple? texture for most other fruits. What's the difference? That is true. Well, but they're all, I mean, apples, I don't know. Like I can bite into an apple, and, but I just can't do it. But what if you prepare like an apple grape? in any way, no, grapes are gross. Can't do grapes. <laughs> is it the sl- <laughs> Is it like the liquid amount? I, I mean, I guess it's different reasons because they're all different. Like we'll say orange specifically, it's really slimy and stringy. And I don't know how anyone derives satisfaction <laughs> eating an orange, honestly. <laughs> I'm with you on mandarin oranges like those are the ones that What's the difference well jeff um, help me out because they, they have like canned mandarin oranges right that's the thing where it's like yeah. the slices yeah is there yeah. another weight of canned oranges i think that's what i'm thinking of but i used to love those canned oranges and it's just a big pool of liquid with a bunch of, bunch of orange slices in there 
And then in college, I thought I was a really cool guy. And I made like a wop out of mandarin oranges where I just soaked the mandarin oranges in vodka. And then I was like, all right, now I'll just eat three mandarin oranges and I'll be drunk and this will be great. And now I've just ruined mandarin oranges for the rest of my life. Like I can't have them because I just, oh, it reminds me of tasting just a vodka soaked orange. It's like, oh, it's just yeah. horrifying. Also, jelly sucks. <laughs> I'm a jelly guy. <laughs> it's disgusting and it ruins your bread, which is why I'd never eat peanut butter. Ruins jelly. your bread. <laughs> it just bleeds right through the bread <laughs> and you just got a mess in your hands. So you got to like shove it in your mouth. As soon as you put it in, it's it's not good. Jam, same umbrella for you, no good. Yeah, it's like that. Plus, I just don't like jelly and fruit stuff. Like, I'm a peanut butter sandwich guy. Not okay, all right, no judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we we're going to go like a similar vein of like oysters up here with this snot in your mouth thing. Yeah, I, I cannot stand that texture of just that's the ultimate slime. Forget orange, but talk about an oyster slime. Yeah, I, I was not expecting fruit in general to be the. <laughs> The one I was gonna say creme brulee. What I, I don't oh, like custard. Yeah. I guess in general. Then? Uh, I mean some custards, but it's it's like the congealed kind of Jello esque quality of creme brulee. Is kind of turns me off. Yeah, yeah. I, you just eat the sugar part and then throw the rest away. Yeah, I mean I that just, is the best part. Yeah. I, I don't like onions. Obviously, I've mentioned it before. It just feels like I don't know. There's some weird the, the way <laughs> they're crunchy. I just don't like them. They're, uh-huh. It's like they're not they're not crunchy enough for me to enjoy it, and they're like they feel fleshy still. Like it's this weird <laughs> mix of like it's crunchy and soft at the same time, and the way it feels like I'm biting into an insect or something. I don't <laughs> enjoy it at all. All right, so fruits and vegetables. Uh, I'll eat a grape. I don't care. Yeah, everything should be pizza textured or get out. Uh, Spencer Botine yeah. says, hey, gang, a hypothetical question for you. If Nintendo were to offer a monthly subscription pass service, a la Game Pass, spanning all Nintendo published games since the NES through today, what would you be willing to pay for it? I mean, I pay, was it 15 right now for Game Pass Ultimate? Yeah. Basically. Uh, I'd say about that. I mean, if they went higher, I don't think I could lie to myself and say I wouldn't pay for that. Like if it was 20 but I, I, I want to say 15's the hard cap. Is there, is it, wait, is there entire back catalog? Entire back catalog. In theory. Play, playable on the Switch, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think uh, people would pay is, 40 bucks easily for that thing. Okay. I mean. 40 bucks a month? Probably, yeah, that's a whole no way. They're not doing that. <laughs> well, there's no way they're doing this at all. But no, no, no. I don't think people would pay. See, I think they would do what I tend to do with a lot of subscription services is I subscribe to one month, play everything that I want and then unsubscribe at that yep. price. Uh, I mean, and even at lower I, prices. They're online super cheap. So yeah. like, even if you're subscribed monthly to online, was it like $5 or a dollar or something like that? Yeah. So like if they had a $20 subscription thing, you wouldn't really be breaking. But the for bank all of the new games, I mean, I guess how many yeah, but they, published they games are there? So rarely though, it's, I mean, so it's does not, Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I guess at least with Microsoft, you're getting a bunch of third-party stuff, right. which I don't know how much Nintendo can offer on that front. Yeah, I, 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 feel like, I feel like for Nintendo, it would, it would definitely be that thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to subscribe for a month when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, yep. and then I'm just going to cancel, and then I'm going to wait for the next game six months from now yep. and do another month then. I think that's, yeah, that's the way you do it. So you'd really scam the system. Uh, yeah. Kevin Frey 
says, hello, MinMax, how much tolerance do you have for frustrating or tedious gameplay if you are engaged with the story or world? I recently finished Flower Sun Rain, and one of the main things hearing me through was the prospect of getting to see what would happen next on that strange island. Have any of you experienced this with certain games? Uh, even though I feel like Near Automata, to an great extent, chance. Yes, that, that's a great choice. I like the 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 best things about that game is the narrative and the the presentation and the the gameplay isn't terrible, but it's a very by the numbers kind of stylish action game, and the world isn't particularly engaging to explore as like an open world outside of meeting those characters and stuff but in terms of the systems at play for the most part it's pretty eh, whatever but i would yeah so like if the story was less than what it was i probably would have put it down yeah i think with near there's also you can make the case that it's thematically appropriate for the world to be like so desolate and kind of boring and that it you know that it is kind of using that to make a point about how messed up life is you know ten thousand years after the apocalypse so it's like if it fits the mood of the game so it's like if if that were like you know devil may cry and the combat were tedious and it's all about how fun everything is and killing demons is cool then i think it would be a very different story right right mm. yeah i mean did you th- make that argument for dark souls too a little bit but i i yeah i think i do end up enjoying dark Souls' gameplay when, once you get used to it obviously uh i do end up enjoying those games even if like the whole appeal is you know, this world is so bleak and, and everything is so depressing, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of games fall into this category where it's like, okay, I'm pretty worn out by the gameplay, but I still want to keep rolling. I think number one example has to be my favorite world in any game still, which is Grim Fandango. Like, you know, by the second half of that game, those puzzles are just like, oh my God, this is absurd. Like that boat puzzle where it's like the chain underneath, it's just a disaster, but the world and the story are so amazing that it keeps you rolling. Yeah. I think you can do it for a lot of adventure games, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, Patrick Costello says, Hello, squad. First time, long time. Thank you for being a first time. Uh, in most games, when given the option, I like playing stealth over direct action. However, in Ghost of Tsushima, they, prevent, they present a narrative reason why that method of play is frowned upon. I know you have to use stealth sometimes in the game, and using it doesn't impact the story, but I still find myself not wanting to play that way. Have you ever played a game where the narrative and not the mechanics has made you play the game differently than you normally would? Good question. I feel like Ghost was the first game I thought of, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Normally in those kind of games, I would go more stealthy if I can. But it's not that the story, like being admonished constantly for knifing a guy from behind has got me. It's more that I don't like that the storm, there's more storms the more ghost you are in that game. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, the weather changes depending on how you play. So the more ghosty you are, the yeah. you get storms more frequently. And that game's so beautiful that I don't like seeing it constantly raining and stuff. Like it looks great, but like every time I there's a point where every time I logged in, it was just like storm clouds on the horizon. <laughs> I was like, I just want it to be sunny and just kind of ride around and enjoy the scenery. So I finally got to a point where I've upgraded my abilities where I can just go into camps and just take everyone head on. But I've only really been doing that because I'm trying to like balance the scales to have it be sunnier again. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Weird thing. Yeah, there there are definitely games that I play where I guess The Last of Us 2 kind of fits in that where it's okay. like I could be I could be, you know, like kind of skirting around some of these encounters, but I'm kind of in the character's mindset and I just want revenge now and they should all pay for what they've done. Yeah. Or the vice versa of that in some games where it's like no, I I don't I'm 
I'm playing more towards the character's morals than I probably would if I was just making these choices myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin Hughes writes in, simple question, what is the rarest game in your collection? I have a PS2 copy of Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and that has I have it, yeah. pretty oh. up there. Oh, really? Like, what are we talking? Like, for the long... I haven't checked in a while, but I remember, like... Because I, I, I got it, like, around launch. I never had to pay some ridiculous price for it, and I've just held on to it, but I saw that it would be, like, $60, $70, like, used... Wow. At like GameStop for the longest time, it'd be more expensive than a new game. And huh. like new game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a popular game, I guess, but I, I have no idea what it goes for now, but I know it's always been a very high in demand game. I, yeah. That's probably mine. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the most expensive one I have is maybe Tetris DS. I remember that being kind of rare. I don't know if that's changed, but I remember that going for, for, for big money um before but i don't know what it's at now yeah let me see i guess for me it is the Metal Gear solid 3 subsistence like red limited edition bundle which let's see on ebay at least it's going for like 150 okay i thought it was a little bit more than that but i just remember getting that right when it came out and then found out later like oh i guess that's a rare thing to have weird yeah oh i just remembered actually this might be my rarest i have a Fire Emblem Path of Radiance for GameCube? Oh, that is pretty rare, yeah. Yeah, that one's worth a lot. And it's funny because I've never actually played that game. (laughs) (laughs) I I never had a GameCube. Like, I bought it years after the fact. So I think I kind of heard it was worth something. And I had a Wii, so I was like, oh, I I can play this. And I just never have. But then I found out later that it was worth quite a bit. Are you ever going to sell it? Mm, Make an offer. We'll see. We'll talk. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's fair uh connor writes in simple question this week outside of the dc game announcements i'd love to hear your quick thoughts about the movies that dc showed obviously the batman took over the internet in a major way with an awesome trailer currently sitting at 17 million views uh what do you think about the other film films in the lineup from dc so we have yeah the batman we have suicide squad sorry the suicide squad from james gunn uh there is Zack Snyder's justice league uh what's it out to y'all from those trailers uh, i think the batman is probably the one yeah. that they gave us the most info on i yeah. think I, I i like i i've never seen justice league so i don't know what the snyder cut would change or like what how that's expanding obviously it's like what four hours he said it's like a, a mini series basically yeah yeah. It would be released in hour chunks and then the full movie, which is really weird. <laughs> yeah. I think this probably stretch if he was out inspired those by that post about the Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if it's just like, well, we're spending I think I heard the head of HBO Max be like, ah, they say it's thirty million dollars to finish this movie, but it's well over thirty million dollars. So they just are trying to capitalize on that buzz as much as they can. So I guess that's a smart way of doing it, just to have a four week long beacon or even five weeks of telling people HBO Max for this alternate version of a subpar movie please what'd you guys think of the the black adam like not trailer it was like the kind of weird concept art like video game like injustice ending basically that served as the first trailer i guess for that game i didn't even see that narrated all i saw from that was like you know the rock talking about how much he wants to fight superman in the movie where it's like is he just going off on a whim or is this actually happening or what is he talking about 
No, they had like an animated little trailer. It kind of it was the rock narrating and it pretty much sets the premise of the film talking about like the history of Black Adam. But he's like speaking as Black Adam, like, oh, I was a powerful sorcerer guy and then they locked me away and now I'm back and I'm going to get revenge. And it's literally looks like a fighting game style ending. <laughs> and um, and it's like, I, I feel like, like, okay, I guess if you don't have any footage to show, then yeah. this is a weird way to do this, but <laughs> I guess nobody else saw that. <laughs> no, no, I didn't see that one. Uh, I saw but, the weird intro for James Gunn's Suicide Squad, where it was basically taking stills from the comics and just running through and introducing all the actors and all the characters that are going to be in this movie. And I went in pretty much yeah. blind to that and was just blown away like oh they're still going this movie is just overflowing with characters that are somewhere in the back catalog of dc you know stuff like polka dot polka dot man and stuff like that um somebody else wrote in i didn't include the email i'm sorry or the the question on patreon but somebody else wrote in wondering what we think about just a movie overflowing with that many characters and I'm excited about it just for something different. Like even the first Suicide Squad, I guess was getting close to this, but just expanding on that idea of if we start with 20 weirdos that are completely dispensable uh, in the DC universe, like who knows how many are going to be left by the end? Maybe it's just going to be Harley Quinn. I think that's kind of a fun idea to have a movie where everybody's going to die and you really don't know what to expect here. You want to see John Cena get murdered he's going to get murdered in the most beautiful way. Yeah. Cause they describe it as like a war movie. So I would expect a majority of these folks to go down, which is exciting. Yeah. I feel like in a post Avengers world, that's less like, I guess special or concerning. Cause like it has been shown that you can have a movie, which like overflowing with characters and it can be done well. Yeah. Um, Cause that used to be my concern, like pre civil war, probably. Uh, so now it's like, okay, this, the formula is there to study of how to get this right. And James Gunn has experience with team movies because with guardians of the galaxy. So yeah. like, I'm not super worried about it, honestly, with him at the helm. Right. Right. Uh, so sorry, all that Batman film, it's fun to yeah. see, you know, GameSpot had some articles about how people are trying to solve the Riddler's riddles. Like that's a good hook for connecting to the internet is if every trailer has like a tease of a Riddler riddle in it that the community then tries to piece together yeah. to figure out the clues before they know anything else about the movie. Weird kind of ARG thing. Yeah, accidental ARG. Uh, I guess <laughs> is what you'd call it, but <laughs> it seems cool. I like ARG. That's right. Uh, I like the director a lot, Matt Reeves. I love the Planet of the Apes movies recently, and so I'm very curious to see how that thing comes together. I know it was a yeah. odd case where they've only filmed 25% of it I believe. So trying to cut a trailer that makes sense out of that. I think they did an admirable, admirable job. I'm sure it wasn't exactly what they wanted to do, but they had to, you know, put filming on hold and keep all the actors in tip top shape over there in England before they resume filming again. So that movie's gone through a lot. I'm a, I'm a little bit like, I think I was skeptical about uh, Pattinson as Batman, but I think this trailer kind of did sell me on him as being like, he, he is this weird mix of like really desperate and really brutal. Uh, where he, you know, there's that extended scene of him like punching the like crap out of a guy. Yeah. He's also like, you know, taking his mask off and he's basically like, yeah, really like his face is like really like uh, sweaty and just like, you know, his like, I think he's wearing mascara or something and it's like running. Um, 
but it, I, I kind of like that that kind of style of Batman a little bit, especially as like contrast from like the like no Superman like Batman is like a really buff like gruff kind of dude, you know, like and this feels a little bit more almost a little bit like Batman Beyond, where it's just like it's just some like rich punk guy, you know, like yeah. some some guy who's who would use his dad's fortune to do this thing on a whim that is like oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight crime and do it this way instead of you know investing money or whatever. So it seems a little bit more like, okay, let's play into the into what a modern version of this might look like. Yeah. Did you uh, guys catch Colin Farrell's penguin in that? He was in the car yeah. where he's like, whoa, look at this guy or something like that. Yeah, like apparently he's wearing like a ton of prosthetics a lot. I think I was reading like a whole article dedicated to that saying like a lot of people because he's like unrecognizable. Right. And that and that apparently he's wearing a ton of makeup. So a lot of people are like, did he put on weight for the role or something? Why not just hire but, a fat guy? Why are you getting a handsome guy and then just... Spending a lot of money and makeup <laughs> on making him look like the penguin. They've just been feeding Colin Farrell for months. <laughs> fish. Just, yeah, just fish. Uh, he's been swallowing them whole. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Sticker says, hello, everybody. I love single-player story-driven superhero action games, both Neversoft and Insomniac Spider-Man, and almost all the Arkham games are 100% my jam. The trailers for Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad look pretty cool. It's nice to see something that's at least Batman adjacent, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't secretly wish for developers to pick a more obscure property and elevate it for games the way Marvel elevated Guardians of the Galaxy for movies. Are there any unexplored or underexplored superheroes that you'd like to see in video game form? I'd personally love to see a game based on the Max, where tapping a button would switch between the Outback and the real world, or a game based on Moon Knight that incorporated the character's split personalities and conflicting alter egos. My God, are you a big Moon Knight guy, Marcus? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read a Moon Knight comic, but the times he's shown up in something, I'm like, hey, he's, he's cool, I guess. All I know is it's it's Marvel's Batman and that they're making a Disney Plus show about Moon Knight, right? I'm interested in that. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll check um, it out then. It's weird because this character is far from obscure, but I, I still don't understand how there's never been a game for her, but I, I've always wanted a Wonder Woman game. And I've... In my head, I the pitch has always been like just give Wonder Woman to Sony Santa Monica and just like look at God of War as the template and just do that for Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, just take the exact <laughs> models of their gods and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like just a really like badass third person action game where she's going around just fighting like her villains as well as like mythological stuff because of the Greek tie-ins and yeah. just have the god show up. Like I've always been amazed. Like she seems like such an easy layup for a good third person action game with all of her abilities and her fighting prowess. And it's wonder woman. Like everyone knows who she is, but it's like, how has there never really been a big game? Yeah. Maybe we're, even like people, a small game with her. Yeah. Maybe people were skeptical, but then once the film hit in such a big way, you think there'd be a scramble and we're probably nearing that point where we'd see the efforts, but maybe all of Warner brothers studios were taken up trying to take a stab at a suicide squad game since that film hit big <laughs> first, you know, it's very yeah, confusing it so, how that all works. It was so well received. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to see an Animal Man game. When New 52 came okay. around, I read Animal Man for a while. It's like, that's a fun idea. It feels a little bit Incredibles-esque, at least in the New 52, of this guy just living with his family. But also, Jeff, um, he can take the powers from animals. So it's a little bit anamorphsy, but let's just go I was going to say, this just sounds like your Animorphs fantasy again. But I think here's why Animal Man is less interesting than Animorphs, because he doesn't turn into the animals. He's just like, ah... Uh, the flight of a hawk. Is, is this based on the Rob Schneider film? I'm sure that's what I meant. Yeah, they need <laughs> the to make animal? a game based on the animal. Um, yeah. I'm really mm. looking forward to it. Mm. Any other uh, my, answer, 
my answer it it's it's not a rare IP, but I want a Watchmen a Watchmen video game that's good. Like like I I, I really like the idea of a superhero game where the superheroes are just people dressing up that way and they're basically just vigilantes and like really looking at at the psychology of that and i mm-hmm. think watchmen especially it's like they're they're not they're not like super moral people or spectacular in any way like they're all just kind of screwed up in their own way mm-hmm. and and i think that's the we don't see that a ton with video games where it's like what is what is wrong with this person that you're playing as? Like you're you're always just the good guy, and and yeah. I think there's more moral ambiguity in Watchmen or similar things. It'd basically just be like you know the tone of the combat. If you really want to lean in, it would be like if you just put a mask on Ellie in The Last of Us. We'd be like, well, it's basically Watchmen. Mm-hmm. She's just good at <laughs> killing people, but not doing anything that crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like Telltale would have gotten around to that if they had survived. Yeah. It yeah. seems like right up their alley, right? Yeah. Well, there is uh, Watchmen The End Is Nigh on PS3, and I actually I have it downloaded on there Steam, sure Jeff, if you want to play it sometime. Oh, boy. <laughs> they should just make a, a, a Flash game that's F-Zero. Smart. It's race, but you're very fast. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Easy way to backdoor F-Zero. Uh, Geo right. Banaghi says, Hey, everybody. Spending so much time indoors lately has me binging a lot of shows quicker than I normally would. Impressively or shamefully, I hit peak binging about a mo- couple of months ago when I finished six whole seasons of Royal Pains in one weekend. I was super burnt out on watching shows that I couldn't even think about opening Netflix without residual pains back popping up. What is your personal best or worst streak of binging shows? P.S. Now I'm back into the bad habit. I've stayed up until 3 a.m. on a work night watching season two of Umbrella Academy. Best or worst streak of binging shows? Hmm. I'm terrible at binging shows. So I'm like, my best streak is probably going to be like laughable to most people. But like, I ran through that Last Dance documentary on Netflix yeah. recently. Mm. And that thing's really good if you've never seen it. But um, normally when I watch TV shows, I'll do like an episode and then watch the next one days or a week later or maybe weeks. I'm really bad about watching TV shows, even if it's something I really like. Um, but that one, I like watched multiple episodes like back to back and finished it in like two days which again that's like nothing but for me that's like unheard of right and so i was like oh wow i i did it i binge and i guess the <laughs> worst is probably i i thought i was gonna really binge and get into altered carbon when that came out yeah and i watched the first episode and then never went back to it and i have no desire to yeah and i guess I that is the ultimate day. worst binge is if just watch one episode and say yeah i'm good one um did you find yeah, yourself that- getting strangely motivated from watching last dance where you're like, oh, I can do anything. Right? I think I yes. can run up a mountain. Like constantly like Michael Jordan, but like, this is what it takes to win. You right. Gotta be an <laughs> sometimes. This is what it takes. And all of his teammates were like, dude, he played when he had the flu and just destroyed everybody. <laughs> and yeah, like I had that feeling of like, yeah, I think I'm going to, I have a Bulls jersey, right? I'm going to put it on and go like, just <laughs> scream at somebody. I am going to go be an asshole <laughs> to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're better than this come on let's go it explains why you've been streaming uh on your youtube channel there just wearing a bulls jersey for the last couple months exactly like my you see my sneakers i'm bleeding my feet are bleeding right now (laughs) oh i hated that episode i hated thinking about those old shoes and his bloody feet i thought they were gonna show it like him taking them off like oh god yeah oh just like a pool of blood comes out like sound effect with a bunch of blood gushing out of his shoe (laughs) And how much does it suck to be his opponents where it's like, 
Yes, you got like a record number of points again. You totally kicked our asses. And oh, your feet are bloody stubs. And like, you're still kicking my ass. <laughs> I love the recurring theme in that show is someone on the other team said something disrespectful to him in some way. And then he <laughs> paid it off yeah. by destroying them the next day. Uh, or, and then the yeah, follow-up or, is that or it didn't happen. Or sometimes he just makes it up in his own head and then destroys them for it. Yeah, like no one's everyone's pretty nice. I need something to motivate me here. <laughs> yeah. You didn't shake my hand as we walked by the hallway before we had to go to our locker. Yeah. I'm going to destroy you. I was like, do you think they would learn at some point? They'd be like, hey, if you see Michael, just be super nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, what a weird guy. Um, yeah, I, I am really uncomfortable binging shows. It makes me feel so gross. But probably the last time I went nuts was. Uh, maybe like a year ago, I rewatched all of Larry Sanders and I love Larry Sanders show. And that was one where I'd watch like three or four episodes in a day and just be like, oh, all right, I'm good. I, I could I not watch I, too much of this. I had a period of watch of binging Larry Sanders as well, Ooh. but it was uh, in college because I had like one of one semester of my schedule had like a three hour gap in it. And I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't have a car that I could really reliably drive so that I would just sit there for like three hours and like, well, I'm just going to watch Larry Sanders for the next three hours every Tuesday. <laughs> Applesauce. Yeah. exactly. And also, so now I have like these really strong memories of like getting lunch at the cafeteria and like, I, it was always like a Snapple, uh, like Buffalo chips and a hot dog. And so I have, I've come to associate that meal with the Larry Sanders show. <laughs> Where he's very worried about his weight at all times. Yeah, exactly. Perfect it, combo. What, what better way to accompany than a, a peach Snapple? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Darren writes in and says, hello, it's time for everyone's favorite historical game show. Did this historical this figure appear in Assassin's in Creed? The crowd goes wild. I'm going to give you a name of a famous person from history, and you have to tell me if that person did or did not appear in a mainline Assassin's Creed game. Bonus points if you can say which specific game the person was in. All right. Marcus Thomas Jefferson. No. I'm sorry, he did appear. He did come home in Assassin's Creed 3. Jeff oh, Marquefava. I, I don't remember him in that game. I don't remember him in that game either. Um, I feel like I'd have a completely different take. This is very naive and stupid and artificial to say, and I apologize. I'd have a completely different take on Assassin's Creed 3 in a post-Hamilton world. I want to replay it just because I feel like I'd be more invested, which is sad <laughs> to say. And all these guys were actually white? What? <laughs> Wait, that can't be right. I've never seen him. Um, Jeff Marquefava. Blackbeard. Yes. In? Black Flag. There we go. Layup. Serial. Michelangelo. Uh, no. Correct. Marcus, Charles Darwin. Yes. In? Syndicate. There we go. Well done. Jeffum. King Tut. Uh, I did not play enough of that game. <laughs> no. Correct. No tut. Uh, here he is, the big boy himself, Serial, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, no. That's right. There's a million things he hasn't done, including being in Assassin's Creed. Mm, uh, missed a shot. Marcus, Winston Churchill. No. Yes. In Syndicate. What? And then Darren says, how many people remember that you do get to play in London during World War One in that game, which okay. I didn't play Syndicate, so I forgot about that detail. Yeah, I never, never played it either. Mm-hmm. Um, 
let's see. And of course, Jeff, I'm Napoleon Bonaparte. No. Yes, he was in Assassin's Creed Unity. Come on, we all have to go back and play some Assassin's oh. Creed. Thank you, Darren. Well, his face was missing, so mm. who could say if it really was him? That's right. Uh, Bucket of Jello writes in and asks, what is all of your favorite land party memories? Well, Bucket of Jello, I recommend you check out The Deepest Dive on Halo 1's multiplayer because we talk about land parties for about two hours. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, um, when Halo 2 was out, I was in high school, like a sophomore, and we had a land party at a friend's house, and we ordered pizza, and one of the friends in our group was kind of like the jerk friend that nobody really likes, but you keep inviting them to stuff, like the Cartman of the group. Yeah, of course. And so, like, the, the pizza comes, and we trust him with our money to exchange with the delivery guy, and so he goes to the door, and we're, like, playing the game, but we hear this... And he literally, because he really wanted to play more Halo and didn't want to stop, we kind of forced him to do this. He rips the door open. The guy can barely say, here's your pizza, before he yanks it out of his hand and literally throws the money at him. Like, wads of cash and coins. Like, ah! And coins (laughs) fall to the ground. And the poor guy has to bend over to pick up the pennies and stuff. And then he just slams the door in his face, like, in one fluid motion. Why? because yeah, he was a jerk he thought he was like <laughs> funny why. and he really wanted to play halo he's like he did not want to stop the land party to go <gasps> do this because nobody else wanted to get up and we're like hey just just you know go pay for the pizza he was like uh, money in your face caca oh my God. my pizza gone and we just, and he came back and we're all just like dude like what was that like why would you do that and he's like what what's wrong i hope his name in halo was money in your face caca <laughs> uh, Adam Cohen. No, but it's like my a, name now. It's <laughs> a good. That's a good uh, Metal Gear boss name. Oh, perfect. Adam oh, Cohen, like the, the bird, the caca. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Metal, money in your face, caca. Uh, Adam Cohen writes in and says, "Hey, I've got some bad news. I don't know if you all heard about this. Um, an evil wizard has kidnapped you in order to perform an experiment, and he's going to he's going to blow up the house of one of your good friends. Oh, I don't know why this keeps happening happens. to me. Yeah, this is really messed up, but." He's going to give you a chance to save them. He is going to send your consciousness into the body of their family dog. (laughs) You'll have all of your current knowledge, but you can't do anything that a dog physically couldn't do. Like use human words, hold a pen, etc. You have two hours to get everyone out of the house safely. How do you do it? Wait, so, okay. Why am I in the dog? Because of the wizard, dude. No, 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 but like, okay, so I'm in the body of my family dog? No, of your friend's family dog, and you have to get everybody out of that house, but you're you're still a dog. your friend's family. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. So, what's the choice? (laughs) The choice is, it's it's like (laughs) D&D, you tell me. What do you do? Yeah. How do you save them? Well, my goal is to get them out of the house. What are you so confused about? It's a very good <laughs> situation. Yeah, get them out of the house as a dog that you're inhabiting or it's going to blow up. You just run uh, out of the house as soon as possible because then they'll go chasing after you. Oh, interesting. Okay. But the entire like family. Stand by the door and like bark a bunch and maybe I don't know how they they train their dog. But if they see it as like, oh, he really wants to go outside. That's like a step one of like open the door and come with me and then. 
maybe once one goes out, you just keep freaking out until the rest of the family wants to go investigate outside as to why the dog is losing its mind. Okay, but okay, so let's roll. Let's role play this. <laughs> Not, I guess, physically, but so you run out <laughs> as the dog. Once he opens the door, that person then probably walks out to go watch the dog in the backyard. But you're saying then as the dog, you run back inside. And keep barking in the exact same spot. You have, that to, same you have way. to incapacitate the person that came out so by biting him in the back of the neck. <laughs> but just putting them to sleep, though, and then yeah. you run back in. No, you, you just run in and you bite their shirt and you pull them towards the door and keep on barking, and they'll figure that out. That yeah, their house is about to like explode. Weirdly, like huh? it's like weirdly human for the for the dog, and they're like, he never does this. This is yeah. weird. We want to, we want to see that. I think I think that's the secret. Is I think you need to do weirdly human things as the dog. Like you, oh you um, you bite into the your dog food, or you take like the the dog food, just a bunch of kibbles and bits, puppies, and then like you use your nose to arrange that to spell out S O S or out you house. For that too. I don't know. What do, what do you yeah. spell out? <laughs> I mean, Leave now. On, yeah, you could just outside. Ooh. Go outside. Go out. Go out. Yeah, family out. Oh, the, oh, how terrifying would that be? You think a ghost has possessed your <laughs> that dog? Would be how long? Okay, so they what's our time dog. limit here? Because I feel like that would take that could two take hours. A while. Two, two hours. Two hours. Yeah. Two, could you spell out? Because then you'd have to figure out how to like move as a dog. I think the first <laughs> at least. At least like five minutes, you'd be figuring out like how to move as a dog. I think you'd be like, okay, how do how do I properly use my nose and stuff to like I've never had a you know six inch long nose to work with before. Thank you for yeah, fixing my that. tail moving on its own, or do I have to make that go? Yeah, we'd look like a really stupid dog, just be like Whoa, like the tail is just yeah, like basically stiff. anytime you put like like shoes on a dog and they're just like clomping around basically that'd be us for like the first five minutes <gasps> or maybe you yeah. just peed everywhere and just made a pee trail outside and they have to follow you because they have to clean it up oh you pee an arrow onto the floor yeah there you go it'd have to be a really explicit arrow and not think that wow he's just really peeing all you draw you draw a bomb in the arrow, and then you say no and then you have an arrow and then yeah wait you can you hold it, it wait is the wizard is the wizard blowing your house up with magic or is it a bomb? Could you just sniff out the bomb? And well, they're not going to like if you're trying to spell out the difference between like, look, a wizard is about to blow up a house versus there's a bomb about to go off. I feel like I just go with the one that's easier to draw. It says yeah, like if there's a bomb in the house, you can just go find it. Maybe I think. Well, I think it's wizard magic blow up. Adam doesn't mm. make it clear, but I think that's probably what's going on here. Oh. That's good. But yeah, I like the idea that once we become the dog, we're so overwhelmed by being a dog that we kind of like lose track for an hour. It's just like, you know, you're just high because of all the smells. And it's just like, well, ah, like you can't even process what's happening for the first hour before finally you regain your senses, then get peeing out an arrow or whatever. <laughs> the other thing is that you'd have to, I wonder if there isn't a strategy in delaying a little bit because then you have to keep them out for two hours. So, because if you do it immediately, they could imme- like they could walk back in as soon as they realize well, there's nothing out here. We're just going to go back into the house well, eventually. I guess. Yeah, Adam doesn't make it clear. He just says you have two hours to get everyone out of the house safely. But yeah, unclear. Yeah, maybe it blows up as soon as you get them out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Uh, Adam, if you're a dog right now, please tell us how you would do this. <laughs> tell um, us how rough you have it. <laughs> James Smith writes in and says, hello, Ben and the Blender crew. Sure. 
I've been playing a lot of Flight Simulator these last few days, traveling everywhere from the Rubel Kali Desert to Madagascar, and it has me saying a lot of things like, hey, I'd like to live here. So if you could live anywhere in the world without any consequences to your career or personal life, where would you live? P.S. You probably don't want to live in the Rubel Kali. Don't tell me what to do, Smithy. Uh, P.P.S. I've done the research and I proclaim the true God's country is Mont Blanc in the French Alps. The place is otherworldly. Okay, so no consequences to your personal life or career. You could live anywhere in the world. Where do you want to live? When you say no consequences, like, if I have, like, great internet now, does that carry over to wherever yep. I go? Yeah. Because it doesn't affect me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming there's, like, some kind of portal system so that you can oh, be back yes. in between cities if you need to. Yep, that's smart. So portal system living. Right. R- rent is free. Um, yeah. Maybe something like the Alps or like rural Japan. Rural is a Japan. very pretty, very pretty, very peaceful place, but still diff, you know, like a little different enough that yeah, it's it's not just like living in North Dakota, you know, right? Like it I has a, it it just kind of has a tranquil feeling to it as well. Yeah, I think some some place like you know maybe Shizuoka in Japan or Hawaii. Where like what I want is like some sense of community. So it's not just like the desert. Like I live in the Alps mountain ranges and it's just me and like a hundred sheep or whatever. And, but to also have like, okay, it's, it's not super crowded. It's not like people walking everywhere and it's like, you really can't get everywhere and and traffic is terrible, but I would want some sense of like, you know, there's a, there's a grocery store nearby and I, you know, become familiar with the locals and stuff. Um, So I think one of those two places would be. So near a grocery store is your answer. Yeah. Near a grocery store (laughs) would be pretty cool. That'd be sweet. Um, See, I didn't think about that. I was like, if no consequence, I assume that I can just get food all the time. Because I was like, maybe the uh, Galapagos Islands? Oh. It's so exotic and you just see weird stuff all the time. Like, man, look at that giant tortoise. (laughs) Just just lives next to me. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, you know what? Somewhere in New Zealand would probably be a pretty good choice, right? Like, because if you have that portal, you can get your social fix-ins back in Minnesota here, Surreal. Yeah. But you go to like top of green mountain or whatever whatever the coolest place in new zealand is yeah but i feel like then like you don't you miss out on the idea of like building new social connections with the people around you if you're like any anytime i want to interact i'm just going to go back to the same people that i've always interacted with versus you know making right. new friends in the area that you're living in now. right well let's I all go back talk to komodo dragons all day that's true <laughs> then you ride them back to minnesota i'm Be sorry my friend don't yeah. eat me yeah tame them yeah. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Lampson says, hosts and co-hosts, game time. Min-Max Royale. <laughs> I love everyone always makes it a very declarative thing when they have games. It's fun. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for submitting these games. Okay, co-hosts take turns guessing the best-selling Super Nintendo games of all time. When someone guesses the wrong answer or an answer already given, they are out. No writing down answers. The last co-host standing is the winner. And if all answers are given from the list, uh, reaming co-host, oh, you can win if you get all of them, but that's not going to happen. So if you name one that's not on the list, you're out. And if you double up, you're out. Sorry, How what, many what are, are on the list? Top 20 best-selling SNES games. Oh, okay. Okay. Marcus, you're up first. Whew. Super Mario Kart. Sorry, it's not. Oh, yeah. That is number four. I'm saying what? <laughs> Super Mario Kart is number four. Jeff, um? Super Mario World. Super Mario World is number one. Way to go. 
The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Link to the Past is number seven. Oh, it's my turn. Uh, F zero. <sighs> number fifteen. Getting getting hairy. Uh, Super Mario All Stars. Genius, Jeff. Um, that's number two. Mm. Uh, hmm. Mega Man X. Serial Vasquez is the first person out. Mega Man X is not on the list. You're out of here. Uh, All right. Marcus and Jeff. Um, Marcus, you're up next. <sighs> Top 20. Top 20 best selling. Oh, uh, Star Fox. Star Fox, number 14. Way to go. Jeff. Um. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Uh, Tetris and Dr. Mario. Hmm. What a stupid choice. No, that's not on there. I'm sorry. How is that? I mean, it is one of the best games for the Super Nintendo, but it is not on there. It's too specific of a bundle, apparently. So, Marcus! I did it! Congratulations! Oh, boy. Was was Super Metroid on there? Because I feel like it it's low, it's way lower than people think it is. Yeah. It was not. It it's not in the top 20. Yeah, yeah, wow. that's why I think it's I think it's around 30. Yeah, actually, do you want it? Do you want to keep going? Or are you guys feeling tapped? Is Yoshi's oh, Island on there? That's the oh, yeah. should we start? Should we start another round two? Because there's still a lot sure. on here. Sure. All right. All right, Marcus, kick it off. <laughs> Final Fantasy three slash six. Correct. That is number 11. Jeff, um. Um, why is this as hard as it is? <laughs> <laughs> I think these are kind of separate critical acclaim from sales performance, right? Yeah, um, you still have number three, number five, and number six. Pretty oh my big. Three is still there. Oh my god. I've played so many Super Nintendo games. Um, Think of the most popular ones. Maybe one that mm-hmm. just came to the Switch recently. That doesn't help me. I don't play Switch games. Oh, I'm sorry. Fix your life. Um, you already played his Egyptian God card of Tetris and Dr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know the one. Okay, think of uh, Nintendo mascot characters. Um, but don't go too deep. Oh, oh, Donkey Kong Country. There we go. Number three, Donkey Kong okay, Country. Are we doing hints? Uh, you know what? At this point, if look, you saw his All face. Right. He was melting down. Serial. Uh, Final Fantasy two slash four. Final. Here's something crazy. It is not on there. It is not anywhere on that list. Wow. No. I wonder if there's a typo here because there's one that's outlying. Hint, hint, Marcus. Uh, I don't know if I want to go down that thread, but like Chrono Trigger? Chrono Trigger's number 20. Whew, oh barely God. squeaked in. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, you're out, Serial. And 
Uh, please turn your camera on. I figured. <laughs> Actually, don't do that. It'll mess everything up. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jeff. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, let's say a Super Bomberman. <laughs> when you hear some of these that are left and you're guessing Bomberman. No, you're right. Marcus, unquestionably the winner. Uh, do you want to keep yeah. rolling, Marcus, and see how many more you can get? Sure. Okay, what do you think? You said number three still there, right? No, number three was Donkey Kong Country. Number five and six okay. are still there. Why didn't I say Donkey Kong Country 2? It's a great question. Marcus, what makes... would you like to guess? Donkey Kong... No, no, no. Super Punch-Out. Super Punch-Out's not on the list. But oh, of course, Donkey Kong so Country popular. 2 is on the list. That's number okay. uh, six. Number five... Was Donkey Kong Country 3? Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie, Kong's Double Trouble is, of course... I think now she's just going by Kong's Double Trouble, but... Um, all right, Surreal, think of the biggie. The biggie in this era. You think of it as an arcade game, but of course it sold gangbusters. On oh, that. my God. Yeah, which one? Oh, jeez. Turbo. Yeah. Uh, Turbo, and then also another one's on there. Hyper Fighting? Well, it's Super Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting. Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting, and then the other one, World Warrior, is number five. Street Fighter 2 World Warrior. Um, this one, Serial, uh, you guessed after you were out, it is a sequel to the number one game on the list. Uh, oh, am I guessing uh, Yoshi's Island? Yoshi's Island, there we go. Uh, number 12 is... Oh, boy. It is a game that was rebooted in 2013 and in free-to-play... Iron Galaxy took it over. Killer Instinct? Killer Instinct. There we go. This one is... Oh, boy. <laughs> Think of some of the biggest games in Japan that people like here, but it's not as big of a cultural sensation as it is in Japan. Dragon um, Quest? Yes. Which one? Nintendo 2? No. Uh, Dragon Quest 5? Five? 5 is on there, and also Dragon Quest 6 is on there. And then Final Fantasy 5 is number 17 serial. Isn't that crazy? Over 4? Huh. That is interesting. I mean, to me, it's the better game, but yeah. There weird. we go. Uh, number 19 is um, the granddaddy of... <laughs> hmm. I was going to say Nintendo RPGs, but I guess that's not quite true. Um... A Super Mario RPG? Super Mario RPG. There we go. Hmm. Number 18. Let's see. There is a fly in it, I think. I think there's a fly swatter in it. It's a weird... Oh, Mario Paint? Mario Paint. Yeah. Way to go, man. Hmm. Woo! Thanks, Steven, for writing in. Uh, hopefully, it didn't take too much time for folks. Um, what do you all like for question of the week? That last game well. was fun. <laughs> hey, was, the, was pilot wings not on there pilot wings is not on there not oh, in the top 20 hmm. wasn't it a bundle wasn't it a packet or something i don't remember it was launch yeah, but oh maybe later on i mean yeah i like that last question as the uh two-time champ okay all right <laughs> yeah. other options just to just to wait out uh, um, i like the underexplored superheroes um that's good worst food texture um underrated superhero games switch the, rumors the, the, the wizard thing the wizard doggy one thinking. of course um <laughs> i think that question is too obtuse no. yeah you're right jeff are you leaning in the direction <laughs> uh, uh underexplored superheroes 
You seem pretty skeptical as you were saying it. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good con. I mean, we kind of took the conversation in a completely different direction, but... That's true. Uh, Serial, do you have thoughts? Uh, sure. Underappreciated superheroes. Can you live with that, Marcus? He's nodding for the audio listeners. Great. We'll give it up to Tyler Sticka. Thank you so much for submitting questions on Patreon, everybody. You can support us at any tier. Go to patreon.com slash bimax2ends and submit a question or comment, and then we choose our favorite, and I'm 8-Bit. We'll ship out something very nice. So we hope you enjoy your wonderful vinyl there, Tyler. Um, and now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Jeff, um, kick us off, dude. Hey, uh, get a load of this. I, you guys may have heard about this because apparently it was a big thing on the internet uh, months ago. But did you guys hear about the sequel, uh, Grown Ups, the th- Grown Ups Three sequel? They're making Grown Ups Three. No, they're not. But this is the thing that you need to get a load of. Uh, so there's an a, a, an actor and comedian called um, Tom Sharpling. I want to say. Okay. Is that ringing a bell for anyone? Sure. Uh, but apparently he he's a huge Adam Sandler fan. He he was a writer on like a writer and executive producer on Monk, and he played Greg Universe and Steven Universe and whatnot. Okay. He's he's done a lot of different things, but he's apparently a huge Adam Sandler fan, and he really loved the first two Grown Ups movies. You know where it's Adam Sandler and Chris Rock and Kevin Everybody. James and yep. and David Spade and everyone yet. They're kind of, but he, he said he, he really loves them as kind of family friendly comedy movies. And, and apparently he had an idea for a third one that he couldn't get out of his head. So he just went, he went ahead and wrote the entire script for it without any, any contact with Adam Sandler or anything, and then just published it on the internet. And apparently everyone on the internet lost their minds because it, and I've I've read like half the script, and it's an ingenious idea because <laughs> time travel. It starts out it starts out as as you know like a grown ups three movie, which everyone says he completely nails the tone and totally understands all the characters and everything. But then it quickly transitions to all of those actors filming grown ups three, and so they're actually all just kind of playing themselves, and it's their personal like interactions with one another and how they're not you know as close as they used to be when they were you know like from the saturday night live days and and such but then it transitions to a horror movie where a killer is killing off all of ann sandler's friends and and he and it's it's like straight up horror at that point but it is like the most bizarre idea and adam sandler has to make this movie now it would be the best movie he's ever made Uh, but you can read the entire script online uh and it is amazing i love that idea that's super fun uh marcus did you have one yeah get a load of this so i've been um looking into uh mortal Kombat shaolin monks for a thing that i've got coming up uh which is an amazing game and i came across a kind of forgotten advertisement for the game that i think only aired in the uk but it was a commercial called blood on the carpet and <laughs> It's like set in this like kind of like corporate board meeting and it's like really boring. And then a gentleman walks in wearing a kind of Kung Lao style hat minus the blade. And he just kind of sits down and everyone's like, what what are you doing? And he orders them to fight in kind of like the combat voice. And then it's just this incredibly bloody battle between the employees where they're like 
ripping each other's hearts out and it's like blood everywhere and it's the goriest commercial I've ever seen <laughs> and apparently it caused this huge outrage <laughs> overseas where it was pulled pretty quickly <laughs> oh my god but it's kind of yeah like I'll maybe you know give you a link so people can watch it but it's hilarious and it's like outrageous to think that this kind of even got green link because like someone gets their head straight up cut off and like kind of like an evil dead style <laughs> and you're like this was just on tv Jesus. <laughs> what do you what is it for you said it's for something coming up you're gonna be streaming uh, shaolin monks uh yeah for podcasts uh for best games period uh talk about mortal Kombat. <laughs> excuse me shaolin monks which is one of my favorite games of the 2000s yeah um so yeah i i'd never seen this or heard of it until i uh stumbled across it just researching but jesus it's, it's something to behold <laughs> oh boy uh links in the description everybody uh serial yeah so uh you might not know this person and you shouldn't because he's a, a random but uh one <laughs> mr j bocker at j Wembacher tweeted to uh you know people like to give feedback for fighting games online and he says uh, why is the low with the huge pushback from Paul not launch punishable? Can you explain? Can you make Snake Edge from Brian then as well not launch punishable? Can you reduce the pushback from Paul? Why are some characters so OP? Why? Now, the people he added in this tweet are Harada Tekken, who is the guy you would send those notes, but he also added, instead of Michael Murray, the game's producer, he uh, sent it to Mike Cole who is a fiction author. <laughs> and so uh, Michael quote tweets it and says, I have been staring at this tweet for a solid five minutes and I have no idea what it means. It seems so tantalizing, like tantalizingly like English. And yet I don't think it is. I keep thinking if I just read it one more time, I'll understand it. Now the reply is the, is the, is the stinger because it is uh, from at Stephen King who says what? strange, interesting, tantalizing? <laughs> Talking about Paul being OP. Yeah, <laughs> that's so stupid. <laughs> so oh, you can read about the whole story. It's it's uh, uh in Kotaku. The headline is Stephen King baffled by tech and jargon by Ian Walker. So you <laughs> can go. Such a good headline. Go ahead and read that. Uh, it's a fun read. Uh, Twitter is amazing. God. Sometimes. I you know it's a fun full circle then because King was actually named after Stephen King. Really? Yep, uh, it's modeled on him as well. I know that. His college days, he had a line for a head when he was a wrestler. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hey, get a load of this. Uh, I love stumbling across do-it-yourself YouTube videos under the radar YouTube videos and channels from big names and the Russo brothers who recently directed uh, the last two Avengers films, obviously also civil war and um, uh, winter soldier. Uh, they created a YouTube channel during the quarantine here called pizza film school. That's like the series, I guess on the Agbo YouTube channel, but the YouTube channel that they created for their production company only has like 9,000 subscribers, but this series they are doing pizza film school because of their pull in Hollywood they can contact anybody. So they've just been having long form discussions, breaking down narrative structure and screenwriting tips with different people around the film industry. And so they had um, Josh Brolin on, who obviously was Thanos, to just break down the structure and all of his memories about filming No Country for Old Men. So if you want to see the Russo brothers kiss Coen brothers' ass for an hour, it's lovely. They also had on Bob Gale, who wrote Back to the Future, to talk about just structuring a time travel movie which is so fun and bob gale tells stories uh which i'd heard before 
but how apparently, you know, Steven Spielberg was the producer for Back to the Future. And in the first draft, in the early version of Back to the Future, there wasn't a DeLorean, but they traveled through a fridge. Uh, that was the time machine. And that the way that they got back to the future, that they got back to 1985 in the original drafts, was they had to bring the fridge to the only place where they'd have enough juice to power it, which was in a nuclear blast. And so it was the original case of the nuking the fridge from Indy 4. Spielberg just held on to it from all, for mm-hmm. all of those years then used it for Crystal Skull, which is nuts. Uh, but also they have like, you know, Mark Hamill on to break down the structure of uh, Empire Strikes Back. It's just a great lineup of guests and no one is watching these uh, videos. So please check that out. Pizza Film School if you are into screenwriting. Um, nice. Do they, do they actually talk about pizza though? They eat pizza every episode. Uh, but here's the problem, like Jeff. Hot ones, but with pizza. Yeah, it's it's not a problem. It's good, but two of them are vegan. Like those brothers are vegan, so it's always like vegan pizza. And I feel like watching somebody eat mm. vegan pizza, it, I don't enjoy it as much. It's not as fun. <laughs> I, I want to some this good podcast about not yeah. pizza is not as good. If yeah. eating vegan. I can tell from the sounds that it's. I'm imagining it tasting regular worse. pizza. I would like that, but I understand vegan. It's cool. You're smarter. Um, Jeff, do you have one from the community that you pulled from the Discord? Yeah, get a load of this. It's very stupid. Um, this one came from Mothstash. It is a YouTube video from Patrick, P-A-T-R-Y-C, uh, and it is Lord of the Rings, but every time t- Sam takes a step towards Mordor, he says it'll be the furthest from home he's ever been. So basically, he went through the entire damn movie after that point, uh, and every time you see him take a step forward, it plays like the 26-second clip of him saying this So it is just like cuts himself off over and over again? It, it, it will play the whole thing, and then it will show him take the step, but then if he takes another one, it will play it again. So if he, if he takes like oh. five steps, it goes through every single one. It turns the movie into a nine-hour movie. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, wow. Uh, yes, and, and it, it apparently happens like 870-ish oh times throughout the entire thing. Uh, so you shouldn't watch it, but at least scrub through it for a little bit for the novelty of it. That's I disagree. Hilarious. If you're a real fan, that's the that's what you watch. You gotta watch that it. Is, yeah. It's in the description. That's the Tolkien cut. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to submit a community to get a load of this, you can jump into the Discord and jump into the channel and leave something that you found interesting throughout the week over there. Uh, Marcus, what would you like to plug, sir? I got a YouTube channel, Marcus Makes Media, and I'm also on Twitch at Marcus Streams Games. I usually stream Tuesday and Thursday nights, and I've got a podcast with uh, Jack Gardner called A Podcast by Moonlight, where we are watching Sailor Moon for the first time ever and breaking down uh, two episodes per episode of our podcast, just kind of recapping and giving our thoughts and making hilarious jokes because we're so funny. (laughs) All the time, releasing every Wednesday on Spotify and Apple, and you can also watch us uh, stream it live, usually every Monday night on either my Twitch channel or or on hers at Riverboat Jack. There we go. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for being on, sir. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thanks to all the folks in the backstage pass watching us record the MinMax show and the Deepest Dive and watching Leo edit, watch later, all that stuff at the backstage pass tier, the $10 tier. You can watch all of this stuff live and see behind the scenes, a little pre and post show, mid show exclusive stuff. And thanks to all of our $50 supporters, Captain Stubbs One, The Bam Box, I Am 8 Bitch, Warhello, Mirko, Rico, Torreno, Time Bomb Tom, Tyler Carver, Zachary Pliggy, Bean Down Brian, Rebecca Lang, Brian with a Y, Mark Seliga, Andrew Valla, Ludwig Roque, Jesse Vitelli, Brett Hunter, Thomas Hoster, Snake24, Yaro, Rob Hudak, William Garcia, Tom Blackburn, Spiral in Your Eyes, Scott Castro, Thomas Hankins, Richard Smuts, JT Fells, Spider Dan, Paul Arias, Andrew Sanford, Chris, Steve Bamdad, Matthew Paxton, and Cameron Wardlaw. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!